and welcome to Burkamp Wonderland. We are officially an Arteta in podcast. I think we are. Are we, Ellis? I think we are. I think we mostly are. Anyway, people don't know you're there yet. It's get your pots and pans out, ladies and gentlemen. Round of applause. It's the man who saves lives by a daily basis. It's our Ellis. Hi, Ellis. Hi. Uh, do you had anyone come into um, the A&E with anything stuck up their bum that was interesting lately? Not lately, actually, no. It's been quite a low what? number of people coming in with that. I think there's... The global pandemic must be easing up a bit and people are less bored at home with stuff that they can put up their ass. <laughs> how have you been? How is how is your lovely missus and the, the two little sprogs? Uh, Sylla's quite tired. She just finished her 12-hour shift. We're meant to be on a uh, team training day on the computer pub, which uh, yeah. got cancelled and she got called in. But luckily I didn't get to go in. But yeah, oh, she's naked, bless her. But it is what it is. It can't be easy <laughs> saving lives and looking after you because you are quite a handful well, I, she is my main carer. She does have yep. a lot on her plate. That's good. I hope you're nice to her for it. No. Oh, <laughs> good. Wouldn't expect anything less, but I'm just going to go and stick that there and do another tweet. There you go, because uh, I've got to press all the buttons, people, and I've got to introduce people. Next up is Fergus from Guns and Ribbons, the, another Arsenal podcast that I've heard quite a few times. He's been busy going around on other podcasts, not quite like Mike Feinberg, who has become a podcast tart. <laughs> How are you doing, Fergus? I'm good, yeah, yeah, from Guns and Yellow Ribbons. We're Guns and Ribbons on Twitter just because we ran out of characters. Um, the characters like Mike Fanberg. So, but yeah. No, glad to be on here. Thanks for the invite. So um, what's uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast, if people want to go and find it before we start saying anything remotely interesting. Okay, so uh, my podcast has been running audio originally, and then uh, it's gone on to video for about about a year and a half or so john has been on it as well uh guns and yellow ribbons um it's basically the concept is four guys four four arsenal fans down the pub having a beer talking f- football it's it's not ranty it's not shouty it's not there to get clicks and uh clickbait and all that sort of stuff it's just genuine arsenal fans just talking arsenal you do know you're going to get nowhere doing that don't you that's why we yeah, get nowhere anymore <laughs> people only know it's going to be around so long Listen, it's a hobby, and if people want to watch me do my hobby, I, re- I come and join us. Because <laughs> we all know if you want to get anywhere in the YouTube world of Arsenal Wing, and uh, I suppose it's just YouTube and podcasting, the more you shout and scream, the better it is. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we don't do that. In fact, we barely even disagree. We just go, you don't agree with what I said? Oh, well, never mind. We'll uh, just move on. Uh, also with us tonight is John in lovely warm Miami, who has, who has just told me I can come and live with him. He's having a, an entire house built for me, and I'll be there on Tuesday. No, it's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. I'm late. Hello, John. It's okay. We, we have it all ready for you. You just got to come in. We got, you know, we got we have a nice spread out there, so it's all good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. It's always a good time. It's always good to have you on. I was I have just spent the last two hours watching a bloke on Twitch off the coast of Miami and he was catching sharks and releasing them on a boat on his own. Why do people catch sharks and release them? Why don't they just leave them alone? Uh, great question. I think they should leave the sharks alone. Uh, and I, I actually, I love, I love the sharks because I used to sort of like go out scuba diving and it's so cool to actually see them out there. Um, I, I feel like scu- people who scuba dive are the only people in the world who will jump into the water when someone yells shark versus the opposite. And that might just be something wrong with me. I don't know, but, I, I'm definitely against whatever that is. There's a there's a list of things in life that I know I don't need to try to know I don't like them. Smoking, yep. a night of passion with Ellis, skydiving, swimming Skydive. with sharks. Four things I've never done and I don't think I'm ever going to do. So sorry, Ellis, and uh, 
bitch. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never skydive, so we're there on that one. And that, so uh, I'm not interested in any of those things for anybody that tries to offer it, but I cannot think of anything worse than being nibbled by a by a, a, a miserable shark. So the, the little ones, the ones that are about four foot long, do they bite? Because he didn't seem to be overly bothered as he was patting it on the head. No, they're not. Those are probably like like nurse sharks are very docile. Like the ones that like are really aggressive are like the tiger sharks. Those are the the ones that'll that'll go after you. Ah, uh, you go by the name. Okay, mm. so docile are okay. Tiger are, are terrible. Um, not a terrible. Um, no, there's uh, no such thing as a, no. I, think I, Chris I, I like sharks. sharks. I like sharks. Chris so, loves them. He yeah. does stuff. He runs marathons for sharks. That's awesome. Personally, I'm not interested in sharks. I'm more of a dolphin man. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, fair enough. right, let's stop, stop talking jibber-jabber. And I'm going to say hello to some of the people in the chat. There's Stefan, who was there early, and he's a mushroom. And then uh, who else is there? Oh, I can never remember what his name is. I don't know what his name is on, on the Twitter, but on here. E. Adarius. Hmm, he's probably waiting for to defrost somewhere in the coldest parts of Russia. There's Matt Roberts there. There's Michael in Sweden, Paul Neal. There's Fergus and Phil Macca, Avon Ted. Oh, he's changed his name. He shortened it. He's got rid of the Inktonton. That's okay. I don't know who that bing is. Bong with that then, you know, Bing Bong Avon's here. Uh, do I even do that anymore? My mum's always after a nice Avon representative so she can buy overpriced schmutter that she was never going to use for people that don't want it. And then Guna and... Uh, all controversial from Alicia said dolphins are the sick word. Stefan. He's actually not let... he's actually not wrong there, to be honest. Are they? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're like one of the only other animals that'll kill other creatures for fun and no survival benefit for it. They'll just play with them until they drown or they'll do some other very nefarious things that we don't have to get into on this podcast. But I'm with them on like humans. Yeah, yeah, they're really smart. Basically scum. Excellent. Right, Ellis, we'll start with you because uh, you know what I'm going to come up with. People, this could be the shortest segment of ABW's eight seasons of Talking Waffle. Ellis, what can we take from the Olympiacos and the West Ham games, if anything? Have we ever been 3-0 down and come back for a win or a draw? I've added the second part just because the first part could be a one-word answer. <laughs> well, if, if, if I answered like Fergus would, then it would be a very quick podcast, wouldn't it? <laughs> Um, I'm going to try to draw it out a bit, I suppose, um, to get some likes and some views. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I don't think we we've learnt much, really. <laughs> um, we've learnt that we can be quite bad, and we've also learnt that we, we can be quite good. I think a free-free draw is a fair reflection of where we are in the league. Really, we're ninth. Not, are we ninth now? We are, we are ninth, aren't we? That Probably. might be for take news. Ninth or tenth? We're about. Mid mid table, so I think we, that well, shows we are. We've be... been for months <laughs> up a bit, oh, I don't know, down no. a bit, up a bit. I try not to look at that table; it upsets me. <laughs> we are but, indeed yeah, ninth. I think, I think that performance sort of summarises where we are as a team. Really, sometimes we can be very bad, sometimes we can be quite good, and that's why we are mid table because we're just not really blowing teams away. It was, it was. Um, <sighs> A frustrating game, but also ended better than what it could have done. I think West Ham would probably be out of the two sides or the two sets of fans. West Ham would probably be the more agreed with that with that result than than we are. Um, and as for the uh, the Olympiacos game, I had it on, but I had it on my laptop, and Silla was watching some program about Caroline Fack, and I think I paid more attention to that than I did for the ninety minutes of the football that was actually on. So again, 
that game didn't really show us much either. You can always tell how good a game is by uh, what I, I had done. Uh, my big TV, I've not turned it on in three, four months. It's only there. I, everything I do, I've got a 32-inch for my PC. And I just, the entire time I spend at the PC. And so I tell how good a game is by how long it is before I go and check Twitter and, and go and check Amazon and go and do my Tesco shop and then just shopping and then go and have my have the game on in the background. And that Olympiacos game, I maybe saw 15 minutes of it. You could still see straight away that something wasn't up. We weren't going out there to try and win the game. And, and uh, um, what's his name? Socrates and his mates... Well, they're coming to hurt us, and I was quite worried about that. So, if in, in a one-word answer, Ellis, mm, yes or no? Did we learn anything? No. Mm, talking of no, Fergus, <laughs> do you reckon you could expand on that? No, or are you just going to stick with your original pre-pod no, no, of no? I, no. I, I was being flipping. I was being flipping when I said you could answer that all in seconds. No, you've been truthful. The Olympiacos game. The, the Olympiacos game was quite a difficult game to go into in the sense that. It's always difficult to manage a 3-1 when you're winning 3-1 in a two-legged game. So what, what do you do? Do you go all out, get the early goal, and then put the uh, the game to bed? Or do you sit there and absorb the pressure, which is what I think we did. We just managed it. We got no injuries, and we went into the next game against West Ham. Went into the next game against West Ham. We looked a bit tired, lethargic. Um, I was really disappointed that it was... 35 minutes before we even turned up and started playing, we might as well have been in the dressing room and just let them take pot shots of the goal. The first goal, I don't think we could have done very much about. The second goal, there's an argument to say, yeah, hi, Trev. Uh, there's an argument to say, um, uh, there's an argument to say about um, should you have to wait for the referee to give permission to take a, free, free, a quick free kick like that? But, you know, there's no rule saying you have to wait for that. And the third goal, it's a bit bit messy. We, we could have gone on and won it. They could have gone on and won it. It could have been 6-0. 6-6, uh, sorry. Um, uh, did we learn anything out of it? We learned that Odegaard is uh, excellent and we needed to um, pull out the stops to try and secure his position on a permanent. I learned that Leno is still uh, consistently inconsistent. Um, I learned that Arteta really doesn't know what way to line some of the players up. Why put Chambers, who did have a fantastic game, why put him on when you know Cedric works really well on that wing with, uh, I think, Pepe started or whoever started on that wing. I just, I just, I'm a little bit confused. I am Arteta in, just for the record, uh, and I am until December, by which stage I think we should have seen huge improvements and uh, big improvements to the squad as well along the way. Does that answer your question more than no? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think you do make a good point where no matter if if he'd gone for it and we'd have lost, people have gone, that's it. He doesn't know what he's doing. And if he went out there to play defensive football to try and hold the lead, because, you know, at 3-1, they're never going to score three goals. And so that would be the logical thing. to just go out there, take up the pressure, boring game, get it out of the way and get through. Then he can't win that way either. It's, uh, I think it's more down to us Arsenal fans never being happy no matter what happens. Yeah, I, to be honest, the Twitter sphere, Facebook sphere of Arsenal oh. fans is just—it's just toxic. And you know, you'll get one guy who will be delighted and think it's fantastic, and get another guy who will have an argument to say why uh, it's absolutely crap. But I give up on it. I don't even bother anymore. <laughs> Apparently, Phil didn't see the first three goals of the West Ham game. It was at M&S getting some vino, and for me, they won three 0 <laughs> That's a fair point. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, your um, Trev from uh, he does your podcast with you, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He's on Hills. Hills. Oh yeah, Hill. I was going to say, isn't that Hillsy? Yes. Um, yeah. We went. Uh, we learned that we don't give up, even when we're three goals down. Uh, John, have you ever known us to go three nil down and then come back to get anything out of the game? Especially, it was three nil at half time, wasn't it? I mean, it's been a long time. I think the la- the last time was Wenger. I want to say against Bournemouth. One at half time. It was. I'm sorry. Three one at halftime. Yeah, it was three one at halftime because we got pulled a bit goal back from Lacazette. Still but... not seen the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lacazette <laughs> had a pretty amazing goal. I mean, there was a good. I think there was a deflection, but it was still. I mean, he hit the he hit he hit that thing. So, um, I think didn't we come back from three nil against Bournemouth under Wenger at one point? I think that was like the last time we came down from three nil down. It's been a while, um, but. It's one of those. I think someone mentioned it in one of the comments. It's it's super important to have a win like that if you're building a team. And the reason it's super important to have a win like that if you're building a team is because you want to know that even when it seems like all the odds are against you, you have a team that's in form. You're away from home. You can still come up and and, and make something happen and score some goals. So that's an important thing to have in your locker from a mentality perspective, which is arguably the biggest thing that the coach has been trying to instill in this Arsenal side, this lack of a mentality, this lack of accountability. Like clearly that is what we're seeing. These kind of changes when people are like, what are we changing in the side? These are the kind of results that we could point to and say, look, maybe it's just the one of, but we've seen us come back from behind with this team before you don't get that sinking. It's all over feeling anymore that Arsenal used to get when they, when they would concede a goal. And it's, it's partially because of the players not slouching down. They're not giving up. They're still fighting. And there's a lot to be said about the manager instilling that in them. So uh, yeah, you know, it's been a while. These are, they don't come a lot because you know, it's not very often you see a team come back from three nil down and you can't really fault them for that. Sure, you could say you shouldn't be going 3-0 down, but to co- turn it around the way they did, it's extremely impressive, and it's something that that goes to show what I've been mentioning about the mentality of the team. John, you said a win like that. Sorry, Dan, you said a win like That's that. Okay. You can sit, do you consider that 3-3 draw feeling like a win? And how how bad of a result was a draw against West Ham were fifth in the league? I, if, I, if I said a win like that, it was a Freudian slip because to me, yeah, it does feel like a, a bit of a win. And and it's not that it's, not that it's, it's like... Okay, yeah, you go three nil down. You shouldn't be going three nil down. I agree with that, like a hundred percent. But once you do go three nil down, which is going to happen, you know, it's going to happen some one sometime. Clearly, it did happen. It's like the anthropic principle of football; like it happened because it did. The question is, can you come back from that? And I think that being able to come back from that was the win in my book. So it's interesting if I did say uh, a win like that because I didn't mean yeah. obviously we drew, but but it did feel like there was something positive coming out of that. So. I take that as as something good, especially and very progressive from a from a team from a team perspective that is trying to actually move and 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 uh, you know like a project that we have. So can't really can't really complain too much. So for someone who hasn't seen the game, I've seen a couple of the goals from highlights, but I didn't see the whole game. Um, Ellis, why did we why did we get to the position of being three 0 down? Was it just like you know against um, against Wolves? It was uh, because a bit of bad luck, and uh, against Aston Villa, it was more bad luck. Or were they? Were they just? We were just absolutely rubbish, and that's why we're three 0 down. If you had to try and put your finger on what went wrong, or or, or whose fault it was, I wouldn't say it was bad luck. I think West Ham were, were deserving of their of their three 0 lead. Um, I'm trying to sort of in my head picture the, the three goals they scored. I think at the start of the game, I was a bit worried about 
when I saw the lineup, when I saw Aubameyang was going to be on the right, I thought with Declan Rice, who I think in your preview with Mr. Waffles, you mentioned he's got quite a few assists this season. So a lot of this just come from the crosses from that side. And they've got Suchek, who's who's big in the air. And from the, from the, the kickoff, with, in the first 10 minutes, Suchek was getting balls pumped through and he was having chances left, right and centre. So I think it was only, only a matter of time. Eventually, a header went in. I think that was their third goal actually come from Antonio heading it down and then Suchek getting a little nick off it and knocking it in. The the, the free kick that um, Fergus mentioned, again, I don't think that's bad luck. It, even the, even the, the actual game, when you watch it, the cameras were still zooming in on, I think it was Saka complaining and the referee going up to him. And by then they'd already scored. So even the guys who were filming the game weren't really keeping up the speed of, of the quick free kick that they played. So I think that was that was smart and that was clever from them. And and the first goal that Jesse Lingard scored, that was just a it was just a, a good goal. As much as I hate him, it was a good goal. He took it down the volley, waited, and he put it just enough to get it round Chambers, who was trying to block it, and Leno just couldn't get a fingertip. So I think they were they were definitely deserving of the game. I think we didn't play particularly well in the first half at all, and obviously, well, obviously we did in the second half. And Chambers for me was was my man of the match again. Fergus mentioned why we played him there instead of um, Cedric. I think. In Arteta's head, probably similar to the Burnley game. There's a lot of height there. They're going to be putting balls in there. I don't think he really planned for Chambers to put that many crosses in. I mean, he could have had a hat-trick assist with the crosses he was putting into the box. He was just, I've just not really seen that. And I think our fullbacks could learn a thing or two from the deliveries that, that he put in. Can Can I take a minute to appreciate the use of the word profli- profligacy in the chat? <laughs> that is, yeah, that that's great. I've, oh, that's that's already round of you, don't, you don't see that word very it's like recklessness oh yeah oh there you go it's very rare i see a word I mean, most words i can't say but most words i do you can figure out what they kind of mean um I, I had no idea fergus you were talking about um callum chambers and and what and i think everyone um all types of media and, and everyone around has said that Chat callum chambers actually magnificent in that game apparently i've only seen a few highlights of it do you think Bellerin should be worried? Because already I'd have Cedric start above Bellerin in every single game. And now Chambers is coming back and pl- um, playing at right back when he's a, a centre-back, uh, right back, central de- um, defensive midfield, he's all of those positions. If you were Bellerin, would you be worried? If I was Bellerin, I'd be in touch with an estate agent in Barcelona and, 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 and getting a new flat. Because honestly, uh, listen, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Bellerin as a guy. I, not that I know him personally, but I like the guy. Uh, I think he's Arsenal through and through. He bleeds red and white. Um, but I think um, I think he's just passed it. He's not really recovered from his injury. Uh, I never rated his crossing and, and Chambers put him to shame with his crossing. Um uh, and his defensive duties are always also a little bit crap as well. So the only thing he had was his pace up along the, the wing, and I don't think he's ever really got it back. He, he's done a couple of good things this season every now and then, and he broke through the middle and broke through the lines. But overall, uh, he's still got a future somewhere, but I don't think he's at Arsenal Football Club, unfortunately. Very true. Yes. Anyone got anything to say on that game before we move on to talking about something a little bit less depressing? I say a little bit less depressing. If it was uh, looking at the West Ham fans and the Arsenal fans, I'd be more happy at coming back from 3-0 down than throwing away a three-goal lead. And also someone in the chat put the uh, Daniel Harry, put the last one he can remember is when we were 4-0 down to Reading, the Theo Walcott League Cup game and come back to win 7-5 in extra time for those kind of games of maybe once a decade for in, in top flight football, John? 
Yeah, I think that uh, spot on, and and it's it's kind of one of those where you remember that game. You remember that game, and the players are going to remember that game, and the fans are going to remember that game, and it's one that you know now. If you go down, you're gonna you can come back, and that's what kind of what I was mentioning earlier. So it's important. Hmm. How how it must feel to be a West Ham fan watching the team score five goals and still walk away at one point? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be actually yeah. going to lose to a, a mid-table team or draw. <laughs> I'm saying it now. Get the Freudian slip out of me. If it feels like they've lost, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking go, about Thomas Sujek, he's uh, just scored a hat trick on international duty in 16 minutes. There you go. <laughs> Who against? Um, I don't know. It's just popped up on Twitter. Oh, um, Matt Roberts has put FA Cup final. We were were we three 0 down? We weren't, were we? Was that against Sport? Was it? Gonna... Yeah. Who did was we? It? I think we were two 0 down, and Kieran Gibbs cleared off the line, was didn't it? No, we were three one down, weren't we? Kieran Gibbs, the, clear, the Kieran Gibbs clearing was the one that get get us in the effort into the Champions League. Was that the clearing off the line? It was so bad, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Speaking of clearing off the line, Gabriel. Yes. Yeah, Whoa, he's a... We didn't talk about that, but that was sick. Go on. Anyway, yeah. No, that's it. That's all I had to say. He's amazing. He's such a good player. He's too good for the likes of us. Well, again, saying too good for the likes of us, we've always, to have a decent team, you've got to have a decent spine. And our spine is, is very, very good. Uh, Leno, Gabriel, Party, and Odegaard, who's people are saying in the chat that he's just gone, um, that he's, he's come off at halftime uh, with a knock for Norway. And then I suppose you would say on their, either one of Lacazette or Aubameyang on their day, if either of them can be bothered. So we have got a decent spine, and I think people are very down on Arsenal at the moment, saying that, we're, that it's not good enough. But if you look at the league table, then we are fourth in the league table since uh, I think the 29th of December. And then, uh, as Carl was saying in our group, Ellis, he's going, "Yeah, but the league doesn't start in December." No, but that shows that form-wise, the entire league, other than Man City, is upside down or on its ass. And in that, that maelstrom of nonsense, we've managed to pull through and have a decent run, and we're up to fourth. And if we, we look at our, our run of games coming up towards the end of the season, we've got nine games to go. Only two are hard against, well, I say two, depends on how hard we make it for ourselves, Ellis. We've only got two hard games, Chelsea and Liverpool. So do you think Carl was being a little bit miserable? Because Chris was joining him with him, wasn't he? Well, we all know Chris is very uh, anti-Arteta. I've, I think you've summed it up personally for me. I think it's very hard to judge Arteta on this season or his whole tenure at Arsenal because he, he's joined in pandemic hits he's taken over from Emery who that Emery team was by the end by the time he left was a bit of a shambles I think for me personally the rot had started to set in in Arsene Wenger Arsene Wenger's final season they tried to bring in sort of a, a safety net kind of guy in Emery and that didn't really work and the rot just escalated and I think Arteta's just come into a very hard job Add to the fact that this is a guy who's never actually managed a club before, there's going to be teething problems. But the fact that he's managed to... <laughs> For me, he's managed to get us playing occasionally and not necessarily a full 90 minutes, but at times he's got Arsenal playing really well and got results that I can see. And for me, I can physically see improvements there in the Arsenal team that weren't there under Unai Emery. But like I said, you just, you just can't judge him. I think when, if... This all settles down and there's a bit more stability in the league in general or football or the world in general, then yeah, we can probably judge them a bit harsher if it's been a couple more seasons. We're still sort of lingering around sort of between 10. Like this season, I look look at the table. One Carl mentioned that in our WhatsApp 
group, I thought, well, actually, like you say, it's so topsy-turvy. Like, anyone could be anyone. Everyone's on their ass a bit. Sometimes they're really good. Like, Man United put together a good run, and everyone thought, oh, are they going to challenge City? And then they've, they've gone off the rails again. And it, it's, it's just so difficult. We could fluctuate anywhere from 10th in the league up to potentially 6th if, if the run of the game goes right and teams drop points and we manage to pick up a few wins. But... Who knows? Just, is, nobody, nobody is dropping points. All, all the likes of West Ham, Everton, and all the teams above us are all nicking points off each other. So we can't seem to make that ground up, no matter how good of a run we're getting. And it's, it's frustrating. It must be frustrating for Arteta as well. It's definitely frustrating as an Arsenal fan. And it, but it just goes, it just goes to show you the importance of starting a season off strong. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because because really that's that's where you that's where you make a lot of your ground because you're going there's going to be a dip especially towards as players get more uh, you know I don't want to say injured but fatigued as the season goes on and you're going to have to rely on rotating players more there's going to be more chances of picking up and dropping points so you want that safety net to start off and if you look at teams that have been successful. Um, throughout a season and and have finished strongly, it's been that first initial push, which under Wenger we used to do fairly well up until like December, and then it started like faltering. So it was that important part push where we're getting the games where you would look on on paper and say we need to, we we need to get points or at least win win or at least get points from this game, and we used to do that. That's not something we've been able to do consistently for since the end of the Wenger era moving forward. So if Arteta wants to really, I, I, you know, make a good impact on, on the table, he needs to start off strong. Yeah. Um, like uh, Phil Macker puts in the chat, these days we can make any game difficult, which is true. So it kind of moves me on to the next thing I'd like to talk about is, uh, does Arteta know his best team? Now I was looking at this. I may have made a bigger deal of it than what it actually is. He plays William into form on the right wing after an entire half a season of doing nothing, he finally starts scoring, um, getting assists and looking half decent. Then he drops him. And then he moves Pepe to the left wing after being on the right wing and doing bugger all most of the season. On the left wing, looking brilliant. And then he drops him. He plays Alba in his form as a striker and then either drops him and tells everybody why he's dropped him, which is very, which I didn't think was a good move, or or moves him out to play on the right, which uh, the entire time at Arsenal was either played on, as a left forward or as a striker. And then he gets Marion Holding playing well, or Holding and Gabriel playing brilliantly, and then drops them. As any, I've put actually, I put what the fuck is going on, Fergus? Have you got any idea? Uh, with the centre backs, no, I haven't got a clue. Um, and I didn't even put in there last three games, three different right backs for the last three games. Defensively, I, I really don't know what's going on. It keeps on rotating and rotating. For me, Gabriel and probably Louise. Uh, are, are are the centre pairing I would stick with. Louise does have a have, have a rick in him, but you know he's a little bit more experienced. Uh, um, with regards to William, William's injured. He's in Dubai, um, conveniently injured that he has to go out to Dubai uh, to fulfil some um, advertising contracts he's got out there. Uh, and with Abamyang, um, his head's his head's all over the place. You can see it. I know you didn't watch the game on on Saturday, Danny, but. You could see that guy, he honestly just wanted to crawl under a rock and go be anywhere else but be on a football pitch with Arsenal Football Club. He just, he's got stuff going on and he, they need to sort his shit out or ship him off. That's the truth of him. Uh, but I think, I think Arteta has the idea, allowing for a little bit of rotation, but I think he's got the structure of what he wants if he was to ideally choose. His spine, as you said, Leno, I'm still 
a little bit unconvinced, which I said before. He's got Leno. He'd have Gabriel as the centre half. He'd have Party and Shaka are another to replace Shaka, but Party. And then he's he's got the likes of Odegaard or Smith Rowe. Uh, Smith Rowe is a permanent, uh, and then whoever he puts up top. And up top is the issue. If we could score goals this season, defensively we've. Uh, I don't think let in as many goals. We've got more points away from home than we got in the whole of last year already. We're on 21 points versus 20 in the whole of last year. So there is signs of improvement. I think where we were let down in the start of the season uh, was in the midfield, not creating opportunities for Aubameyang and Lacazette. And now Lacazette, when they are getting opportunities, aren't finishing them. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> it does make me wonder because never I mean you've probably been watching Arsenal um, how many how many years have you been watching Arsenal for me taking notice of it probably 1985 onwards so what's that that's 36 years Jesus is yours roughly about that no I'm a I'm a, I'm a late bloomer um, I moved over from Ireland in 88 I uh, wasn't really into football and football violence and everything else so I got into I got into football uh, into Arsenal 93 so we are George Graham sort of time. So my point was going to be that uh, in my entire time as an Arsenal fan, I've never known this few injuries. Never as imagine what, what imagine what Wenger could have done if he'd have had an entire squad free of injuries for most of the time that he was manager. John, if, if Santi stayed in uh, injury free that season back in 2015, we win the league. Unreal. I think we win the league in 2015 with Santi and Cochrane. Or Ramsey, if Ramsey could stay fit. No, just, what do you think, John? Oh, yeah, imagine Ramsey staying fit. Imagine Ramsey not breaking his leg at Stoke. Eduardo, Diaby. Eduardo, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know, this always makes me upset. I hate, like, it's like, what would have, could have, should have. And, and, you know, touch wood that we can keep this injury thing because you're 100% right. We've been really, really lucky with these injuries. Um, and hopefully it stays that way, so. Have you any idea why he keeps chopping and changing? Is it like, um, here we go, Phil Macko has put in the chat, is there a chance Arteta is playing with the team week by week until he finally gets the players he wants? I don't think it's that. I mean, there's there's probably an element of rotation there. You know, you have to imagine that he's being instructed by the physio staff about, you know, keep what players are ready and how long to play certain ones. It's not just him picking people based off of t- tactically, which there, there's an element of that, but it's also fitness. So we're looking at our, our fitness record. It could very well be that part of it is the rotation uh, of of the players. And, and we saw Xhaka, for example, go out for the first time in 16 consecutive games. He played every Every minute, the last sixteen games. Um, so there's been there's players out there that are playing a lot of football. Perhaps it's part of the rotation, and then if it is part of the rotation, then maybe it's not about just finding your best team. It's about just making sure everyone's fit to play throughout the rest of the season, knowing we have uh, significant rounds in a knockout competition for our European future, basically. Yeah, yeah. Ellis, is there any merit to the thought that? Maybe he is trying, mixing and matching until he gets the right combination. Or would you like the other stat that um, that I had is from Brighton on the 29th of December, we had a run of five clean sheets out of six league games. I think we conceded one against, uh, maybe have been Southampton, I can't remember now. That was, uh, I got that wrong the first time I did it and then I deleted the second bit. And the third bit I'm keeping, was, it, was that a fluke? And what can we do to get that back? As it's now 12 games, league and cup, without a clean sheet. But he's had the same players, and all the same players are, are fit. And it's, it's, is it down to Arteta 
mixing and matching. You know, like sometimes Wenger would, would make substitutions or drop players for no apparent reason. And we all know that Pep at Man City will all of a sudden go, I brought out a new formation. We're going to play 7-3-5 and they're all going to play on the left-hand side and have no one in goal. And do you think sometimes Arteta looks at, looks at what he's doing and going, ah, I, I've got a cunning plan? To be fair, you you made quite a good point in the end of your little no, I don't. question. I've, I've never tangent. made a good point in my life. But he, most of Arteta's coaching career, or pretty much all of it until he moved to us, has been under Pep Guardiola, working as part of Pep Guardiola's team. And if any of you or anyone listening plays fantasy football, if you ever pick anyone from Man City, you'll know how frustrating it is that Pep will rotate his team and he'll drop players and they'll miss a games. And I think... A part of that has probably influenced Arteta. I mean, how could it not influence Arteta? He's worked with him so closely. There's going to be influences there from Pep. Potentially, there'll be influence there from when, our, when Arteta was at Arsenal under, under Arsene. Um, I also think there's a bit of merit to the fact that he just generally doesn't know who his best centre-back partnership is, who his best right-winger is, who his best left-winger is. I think he is, like you said, I think there is some merit to it. He is just trying to chop and change and find a bit of form. But then also, again, I think you could argue with what John said, maybe that is part of it, the rotation. It's a pandemic. There's a lot of games in a shorter period of time. They're going to have to rotate. But the thing is, you, you, you can't please everyone. In one of my other WhatsApp chats, people have been bemoaning the fact that Tierney's playing a lot of games and he's going to get injured and then we'll miss him and then he's going to play there, potentially Cedric, whatever. Um, there was a period when John's mentioned Jacker played literally every single game until recently. Also, Saka has played a lot of minutes for Arsenal as well. There is, There are certain players that he can't rotate and I think that's purely the, the fact that the, the substitutes or the squad players that are going to take over them aren't good enough to perform the way those starters can and I think he's got a selection of players that he can rotate when you look at William Pepe some of the people that played in right and left you can rotate them there's not a massive drop off in quality of performance if you take Aubameyang out for Lacazette again they've both been a bit hit and miss this season but I wouldn't say one's particularly better than the other at the moment you, you saw with the disciplinary reasons that he took Aubameyang out and Lacazette started and we still managed to score goals I think he's just rotating the players that he knows he can and the ones that he can't he just can't because he knows there'll be a drop-off or is scared that if he does rotate, then the team's not going to play the way he wants us to play. Um, Fergus, any ideas on any of that lot? Can you make sense of anything? Because you look like a man who, who looks at things deeply and I've heard you speak and you do know what you're on about, unlike some of us. <laughs> Me. Uh, I, I, I beg to differ. But um, I, I would say that uh, one of the main reasons that we haven't failed to keep a, a, a clean sheet in the last 12 games is one Danny Ceballos. Um, he cost us three goals in two games. Uh, and, well, the, the Ceballos goal, the, the, the third goal, could ultimately be blamed on Shaka. But it's just some of the tactics of playing the ball, making schoolboy errors, of playing the ball across the box in front of your keeper. Uh, I never played football to any sort of level whatsoever, but even I know that you don't play the ball across the front of your goal because it just takes a poacher, just a, a toe poke it in, and, and, and you're done. Um, I think there's also the effect that um, Ellis mentioned as well about uh, pandemic and fans. The lack of fans, I think, is now actually taking an effect on all the teams in the leagues. Um, I think initially the first time when we came back after 
the the first lockdown i think was a bit of euphoria being able to play a bit of football and it was a bit weird and bit, but we've done a whole season of this and i i think it's it's affecting us watching it on tv because you can't be asked to watch half the games because they're just so awful and hard to watch the north london derby i i, I really struggled to watch it with fake noise it just felt soulless to watch and it's a game that i love going to i never remember it i'm drunk as a skunk at every game uh, but i watch it the following day if we win um but i think the fa fans uh, fans uh, have made a difference and i don't know you know it, it, the, the squad selection um and then he has had good games and he's had awful games uh it, when you have that el neni sabias shaka uh trio in 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 the midfield i just think it just makes us very and we've done it against um olympiacus it makes us very very slow uh very very defensive and then it shows our defensive frailties because we make stupid mistakes yeah, there is, there is, like, we, if we had to pick three players at the moment that you're going to go, they've got a ricket in them. You've got Ceballos, Luis, and Xhaka. Um, anyone think of any other players or, or disagree with that? Other players that have a mistake in them? Regular Leno. mistakes. Who? Leno. Leno. Wow. Is, is, is that, yeah. is that a, a ricket in him or is that he, he's, he's left as, as the last man because people no, in front of him? I, I'm, I, I agree with Elsie here. I think there's been a couple, especially recently, these very, I get we're playing from the back, but there are certain tactics to playing to the back. You don't have to do it, first of all, every single time. And you don't have to do it to players that are under immense pressure all the time. You know, there's sometimes a play from the back, there's sometimes not to. And again, it's a team that's still learning the kind of nuances of that. But there have been times when I think Leno is has made mistakes that have led directly to to goals, well, including me over with a feather. When you were on our podcast, you had a German hat on and you were you were you were screaming how good Leno was. He's the best keeper, this, that, and the other. He was he goose stepping was, under the table. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot, honestly. Um and and he never makes a mistake whatsoever. And now I know, excuse me. I never said he never makes a mistake, first of all. So if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna try to throw me under the bus, you should at least be accurate. That's the first thing. The second I'm thing you under the bus. Second thing, I, I agree that uh, you know, I, I think that at the time when you're looking at the miss I, I always said that that pass, for example, to Jaka was was a bad one. And I know that Leno's been one of our best players throughout this like bad seasons that we've had but i'm, I'm not a, even though i like a player it doesn't mean i'm not going to call it like i see it and if he's making a mistake i'm not going to just not address it and i and i think there's been times this season where as good as leno can be in games he's made unnecessary uh unnecessary movements and passes that have led to players that don't do great under pressure be put under immense pressure which is yeah, yeah, so yeah. so i'm not saying they're his fault but he's been involved in them and and it's not like i'm not trying to nitpick here because i think that he's an excellent keeper and he's one of the best that we've had in a very long time but there's room for improvement there and it might just be a product of us not knowing uh us not you know still working out the kinks of how to play out from the back but it's something that at least needs to be highlighted because you know but, uh, i think and I, agree, I agree with this comment right here by the way he's been a net positive and it's not close and i'm not saying he hasn't been a net positive but you know if we're talking about players that have made mistakes frequently recently he's made a couple of them and i think that it you at least need to highlight it at least point it out it would it would be disingenuous to look at players making mistakes and not see how leno has also contributed in, in some way 
considering he's been involved in three goals. He's made some some fantastic saves. He's a great okay. shot stopper. Agreed. Uh, occasionally, he cocks up his distribution. Okay, but that's my, what we're talking about. We're talking about occasional yeah, mistakes, and he's making yeah, yeah. them. But my, my, my issue, which he has improved on, uh, my issue when we talked about it before, was he continuously parried the ball out of the penalty spot, and we conceded mm. goals subsequently from that. Yeah. Uh, he has improved his game, and he has got better, but I do, I, I'm still not 100% convinced. I think if you if if we all had to get the entire Arsenal squad and line them up left to right, with the first one being the player that you want to get rid of the most and work your way through the squad, I don't think Leno would be in the first eleven players I'd want to get out of the club. And does anyone no. would anyone have him in their top three or four? No, no, I don't, I don't know about that. But no. I, I, I think I'm along the same long, feeling the same way as sort of John. I'm not saying. Leno's a bad player. Of course I'm, not. I'm just saying that if you're going to highlight people who've got a ricket in him, I'd probably even argue the second goal, uh, the quick free kick that West Ham scored, I think that's the second goal, yeah. he gets beat as near post. I think Leno should probably do better there. And again, I agree with the distribution issue. He has been, he's played a part in that. Um, whether that's just not a strength of his game or whether it's the fact that you just put better midfielders in there that can receive the ball under pressure and you, you cut that out completely, I don't know. But I'm just saying he's he's got a ricket in him. But I don't think he's not someone that I want to get out. I think he's a good keeper. He's like like both the guys have said, he does make good saves, does make good decisions at times, but I'm just pointing out he does have a ricket in him. Yeah, and 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 so everyone doesn't try to jump on your throat because you're criticizing a player that for some reason, a lot of people say you can't criticize. You absolutely can't. Any player on this team is open to criticism when it's when it's warranted. And I think that, yeah, the net positives outweigh the negatives for Leno. But like you pointed out, and like I mentioned earlier, there are certain aspects of his game that can need improvement. And that might not be because the player himself. Like I said, it might just very well be. It's just some some little things that need to be worked out about how we're, we're comfortable with the system. Like he made comments when he did make that mistake and pass under pressure. And then we lost the ball and conceded a goal. And he said, look, we always play from the back. This will happen. And that might very well be true. But I think there are certain instances where you learned where to play from the back when uh, pressure is unnecessary, when pressure is good. And like you said, uh, distribution wise. So is that instruction coming from Arteta though? Uh, it, it could be. If it's coming from Arteta to always play from the back, then you can't really fault him. He's just doing what, yep. what he's told. Mm-hmm. But but we don't know that. So I'm not I don't think we should give anyone a benefit of the doubt when there's no evidence of it whatsoever. It may very well be that he said the opposite. Leno's not gonna say that. Arteta's not gonna say that. But what we'll see is maybe hopefully those kind of occurrences happening less and less, and that'll show a progression. And it might very well be that the players that we have in those positions like uh like Xhaka playing in the defensive position. You know, trying to be technical in a tight area, not his forte. Maybe don't pass to him and under pressure in that regard. Yeah, maybe we should have better players. Fine, but like we're going down this rabbit hole now when you start having that conversation versus we could just say, look, he, he makes mistakes from time to time. Why, we can just accept that. I think that is the issue from playing out from the back anyway, sort of trying to take it more away from everyone hates Leno, he can't play out from the back, more from a, a sort of team thing when you are a team that are trying to start to play out from the back as, as a new thing teams pick up on that they put pressure on that but if you get good enough at doing it then teams back off a bit because they know you can withstand that pressure because you're good at playing out from the back at the moment teams look at Arsenal and think oh look at that mistake that Lenny made there look at the mistake that Xhaka made there look at the mistake that Tobias made there look at the mistake that Louise has made there playing out from the back they're, they're all susceptible to it so teams 
are going to put high pressure on us because they know that's how they could potentially nick a goal from us. But if we get better at that, if we continue, if that is the message, like you say, from Arteta to always play out from the back and we get to a point where we can do it, I'm not saying we're going to be able to do it like Man City, but so we can get to a point where we can do it well, similar to how Man City do, then you watch games like them and people don't put as much pressure on them because they know they'll wriggle their way out. And if they beat that press, then they're, they're on their way. But I, I think that's just teething problems for me. And I, I, again, like like John said, I don't want to just pick on any particular player, Leno, Xhaka, Sabayas, either of them. I just think that is a natural problem that we're going to have. And if until we improve those players in those positions, then those are probably the issues we will have. Yeah, and then you mentioned... Sorry, I think it's also unfortunate for a keeper. If if Shaka makes a makes an error in the middle of the park, it can be cleaned up by somebody else. If a keeper makes an error, um, it, invariably, hundred percent. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not hanging the guy out to dry. I'm just <laughs> similar to you guys that you know he has got some frailties. Yeah, yeah, and and looking when you mentioned Man City and you look at Ederson, who's maybe the best passing keeper in you know top three in world football. You know, he is an absolute, he's one of the best, he, uh, he's one of the best. It's, it's unreal. His, his, his passing range from, from where he is, is really, really special. And it allows City to do a lot of the things that they do to get the ball out to attacking players. Lenny, 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 Leno does not have that, but he's still, and, he, and someone mentioned he has average feet. I think that's a little unfair. I think he's, he's decent with his feet. Um, It's not his forte though. Yeah. It's not his forte. And um, you know, it's come, it's going to be something surely Arteta is going to be working on with them um, to get the ball out, especially to try to if we're going to play from the back, you could still do it in a way that you need an, you need another option. Right. So if you're not playing from the back, you can't just hoof it into the midfield and then hope everything works out. Sometimes you need an outlet to to your wing players. And, and that's something that City does extremely well. And knowing that that's what they did, as Ellis mentioned earlier, we all know Arteta came from that pep school. I'm sure he's going to want to try to emulate that if he can. Um, let's all see. Oh, just spare a thought for Mike McDonald. I asked him to come on tonight, but he's busy because it's, it's, I don't know, he's, he was coaching today and we spent the last five minutes talking of goalkeepers. <laughs> but if you're listening to this, Mike, I'm very sorry. I should have saved it for, for when we can get you on. Um, but it's, the, the only thing I'd say is playing out from the back broke one of the best goalkeepers in Premier League history, Petr Cech, killed him. He retired after it because you can't do it. It's a little bit, Ellis, like if we decided ABW was going to do a podcast one day where we're just doing singing. None of us can sing, so we're not doing a singing podcast. No one playing for Arsenal can play out from the back happily. It doesn't work. So either change the players or stop doing it. Am I wrong? I'm usually wrong. The, the silence says they either don't want to disagree with me or they agree. <laughs> uh, anyone want to make any final points on that before we move on a little bit? For the people at home, they're shaking their head, which means because uh, they're all on mute, because they're very, all being very polite. Imagine if this was, was Chris on here or or, or, um, or Josh, he'd have told me. He'd be shouting at me by, by now. Uh, so I've done that one, this one. Okay, uh, time a little bit of positivity for the pod. We'll start with you, Ellis. Our next five games, Liverpool at home, Slavia home, Sheffield United away, Slavia away, Fulham at home. Surely we should win four of those five games. And if if like someone made made a point, I always we always go on. Whatever. I think it's this is the thing on on podcast. We always go in our WhatsApp group where well, we did because there's lots of good stuff talking there. They were saying that um, someone mentioned that Liverpool can only they they know they're not going to retain the league. They're out of the FA Cup. They're out of the League Cup. All they've got is the Champions League, and maybe they'll concentrate on that. And as we're at home, and it's an eight o'clock kickoff, not a midday kickoff. Are you, are you hopeful for that? And how do you think with that run of the next five games is going to go for us? Um, 
firstly, I don't know what it is about the way you say Slavia, but it just sounds just, just sounds wrong to me when you say it. I don't know why. <laughs> it just doesn't register with me that I you're talking about say, football team. I can't even say tyranny properly. Because of my mum, I just make it... Like, you know, for years, Fergus, my mum, I always thought they were called scissors. They are. Yeah. They they're are. called scissors. No, I call scissors. No, there's everyone says scissors. No one says scissors. Oh no, I say scissors. That's no, it. don't say scissors. Oh, no, that's you can't even get it right. <laughs> the Irish word for scissors is scissors, apparently, and so my mum just says scissors all the time. And so for for forty two years, I've said no, no, scissors. The, the, the Irish because word that's... for movie is film. My mum says film, and she says film. washing machine. Yeah. Washing machine, yeah, and go for uh, your messages. Washing machine is how you say it. <laughs> scissors is how you say it. What's going on here? No, it, I say scissors. I know, scissors. I know. Now you say scissors. That's because I'm finally getting it right. In fact, when Sean we went back to Ireland a couple of years ago, um, Sean thought it's hilarious how everything in the house is referred to as a yoke. Can you get the yoke out of the yoke? Yeah. And Sean, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Anyway, enough about my my family. Um, Ellis, Everybody's ye. Everybody's it is ye, ye lot. <laughs> so, Ellis, before you we were talking about my inability to say Slavia. <laughs> Um, as for the Liverpool game, I'm not. I'm not massively hopeful. I'm. I'm a bit worried. I don't know why. I, I know they're pretty shit, but obviously they're not as shit in the table as we are. What the fuck is James going on about? What? <laughs> got food, puddings. Forget this thing. An idea. Oh my god! Now I'm saying head. He wants to do a, a, a podcast. Oh, because James and Jock are now doing stuff with ABW, which is good. Hopefully, Daniel will and, and Band, Green Banton will. And I said, do you want to just do your own, do your own one sometime? Went, yeah, we'll do one on him. It'll be James and Jock nude talking about puddings and handwiches. I've interrupted you twice now, Ellis. Look, I'm no, going to do this. Stokes interrupted me with that comment. Well, actually, no, it was you because you put the comment on. So, yeah, I'll blame you, not Stokes. Anyway, Liverpool, not too confident. Think... That could potentially be a bad one. I, I don't know. Like they have been pretty bad. They've got a lot of injuries. They're not obviously not Liverpool that won the title last season. But then, like we saw against West Ham, we can play pretty fucking bad too. So it might just be a case of who plays the least bad and who wins that. But we'll see. Again, like you say, they've got other things to focus on now. But so have we because we're not really going to go anywhere in the league. Um, as for Slavia, um, <laughs> even now when I say it, it just sounds wrong. <laughs> As for the Prague team, <laughs> um, like he says, it, I don't it on live or <laughs> he's just <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> fuck me! <laughs> Can you stop putting Stoza's comments up, please? It's really strange. <laughs> anyway. Back to Slavia Prague. Um, they've knocked out Rangers. They've knocked out Leicester. Leicester. Um, I think we'll get past them. My worry is probably the fact that we could meet an Unai Emery-managed Spanish team in the Europa League, which will probably mean we'll get knocked out by them and we won't make a final against United. <clears throat> but yeah, I think we should at least... I, I think Slavia Prague will probably be a similar Olympiaca sort of story. We'll do well in one leg and not so well in the other leg, but hopefully be enough to get us through. And like I said, the Liverpool game could go either way. I muted myself all the way through that. Uh, Jonas Stecknamberg says, uh, well, if you're going to be pedantic, how about you say Warshak Chesney? So I can say that because we had Steve on here and Steve used to say it every week. And I think you can say Chesney, Sir Chesney. I think another way you can say it, but... 
yeah, anything Polish, we're on that. It took six, seven years of shouting at it is, uh, to say it properly. John, what's your thoughts on on these upcoming five games? Does it fill you with hope or dread, or should we get the clown car out? I mean, Ellis kind of made the point earlier. It's like we could sometimes be really good. We could sometimes be really shit. So it's 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 kind of that scenario, right? It's unclear. And and I think that the, the team's going to be up for it. But I said that about the... I said that about the the West Ham game, and they didn't start out up for it. But I, I posted it right around the in the second half, I think, of that game. I said, "Why can't we start with that intensity from the get go? Like, pretend like you're three nil down going into a game, and that's the mentality you have playing. That's what we need to do against a side like Liverpool. Because if we're just kind of pedestrian, even though they're not doing that great, they have talent that could tear a team apart." And they're looking for. I bet they're they're salivating at the chance of of wiping the floor with us because they've been down. So, uh, man, his comments are unreal. These are great. It does sound vigorously sensual. Uh, anyway, um, I, I think I think Liverpool. The Liverpool match is definitely one that we need to have the right mentality going right off the bat. And then th- there are winnable matches in the next one. And then obviously Europe is do or die for us. It's it's absolutely fundamental that we really really push as hard as we can to get into then back into the Champions League. It's been our goal since the end of since Wenger left, and even right before then it's always been our goal we are we're a team that wants to be in the, and should be in the champions league given our stature and not out of europe and mid-table so yeah um there's definitely some important ones coming up there's a lot of stress i'm not going to enjoy watching the next run of games regardless of how i think we can do or how poorly i think we can do it's just going to be what if we're like two goals up i'll feel a little bit better in against liverpool but I, i'm not super confident about it Fergus, what's your thoughts on the upcoming five games? Are you full of confidence? Or are you you with the impending doom starting to get to you? <laughs> I'm never full of confidence when it comes to Arsenal these days. Um, the only thing that does give me some hope, I think it's five out of seven games that we've won against the top six sides, uh, and we've drawn one, which is the West Ham game. Um, Liverpool are in poor form, um, so I'd like to think that we could at least get a draw. The fact that it's at our place... Um, does it really matter? Um, I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd like to see a draw there. I think with the, the, the two Prague games, um, I think we'll get a, a win on one and we'll lose the other. Uh, hopefully not by uh, too many. And, and we scrape through into the next round and see who we get in the next round of the cup. As John said, the Europa League is fundamentally everything we need to concentrate on. Because for the point I said earlier, everybody's taking points off everybody in the league. I don't think we can get that much further up the league to qualify us for Champions League automatically, I think is totally out the window. Europa League uh, automatically, I think is very, very dodgy. And I definitely do not want to be in the European Conference League playing football at 3.30 on a Thursday afternoon. Um, The away days will be brilliant, but the home games... Yeah, it's not going to be good. How about that? I've just had a look. I thought, oh... Games coming up after the Arsenal-Liverpool game, we play on the 3rd and then on the 6th, Liverpool are away to Real Madrid, but we're not playing our next game at home until the 8th. Do you think that will have any any bearing on the, on the game, Fergus? 
Well, they're bearing on Liverpool's selection, I would have yeah. thought, especially if they've, if they've got so many injury problems and, and they're, they're having an Arsenal season in the sense of injury problems. Um, so they'll have to rotate heavily and hopefully that will work in our advantage. But uh, as it's come up in the comments, it really just depends on which Arsenal turns up. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot bloody call it these days. Go back and listen to the last 20 minutes that we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. and then, yeah. then go from there that none of us know what he's going to do um, anyone else want to make any points on that run you're, you're all sitting there very quietly now John's kind of shook his head Ellis has shook his head no okay. <laughs> Ellis has shouted no um, yeah, then the the running after that is a little bit easier it's not something we can we should really cover now but we've got Liverpool at home and then we've got away to Sheffield United home to which we, should, we will win home to Fulham will win home to Everton I can see us winning that. Away to Newcastle, that's a win. Home to West Brom, that's a win. Away at Chelsea is going to be hard. Away to Crystal Palace, flashbacks to this time last season. Was it the season before that? I've blocked it. Last game of the season, home to Brighton. I mean, that's, you've got to look at that and think, yeah, top six. We, we're going to win most of those games, aren't we? Or am I, am I losing the plot? Or am I just, oh, have, I, have I been on the baby sham? The Brighton and the Palace games could be different because Palace, if all goes well, could have fans in for that game. They could have 4,000 fans in there, so they're going to up the game even more for it. Oh, we and we that. could have 10,000 fans in for the Brighton game. So uh, it's going to be a party last game of the season. You would like to think if there's anything on the table that, that, that we're going for. it. So I, I, I do think those last two games are hard to call. The Chelsea game, as you said, is difficult to call. Everton... They're not mugs. The fact that this at our place, again, doesn't really matter. I think we we could probably get a result against Everton. Um, but yeah, it, 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 in theory, it's an easy run in. Somebody put in the comments earlier on. Uh, remember the last time we had an easy run in under Emery? Um, mm. Yeah, <laughs> and then we were in the Europa League final. Mm. And we it all uh... up. I thought you were going to say something, then, John. No, I was just thinking. I was just thinking back. What did you say, Ellis? So that's not taking into account how up and down this season as a whole, not just Arsenal, with everyone in the league. Like, I think it'd be very naive to say those are all easy, winnable games when you're talking about Arsenal. Like, who knows what sort of Arsenal's going to turn up? John is nodding vigorously. <laughs> yeah, I think that's spot on. And it's it's how do you? And that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, how do you predict what this team is going to do? It could come out and you know be amazing, but like this season has felt like two seasons pushed into one. And part of it was because there was a big break in it, obviously. But like, even within the times that there were no break, it was extremely volatile in terms of everything going on. And then all of a sudden, like Ozil leaves, and all these and Mustafi leaves, and now we're trying. You know, and all of a sudden, William is playing every game, but he sucks. And now he's good again and then Pepe's great but he stops playing and then it's like there's so much crap going on it's very very difficult to kind of get a good grasp of how I feel about the season and that transpo- transposes to how I think we're going to do match to match it's almost like I don't know let's just see what happens I have no idea anymore it's like it's like games by Sybil or something it's like unreal just flip a coin you got you got full of Newcastle and Everton all fighting for relegation as well uh, which will make it more difficult, you would have thought. Yeah, and somehow West Ham are good, and then Spurs were top of the league, and now they're mid-table with us, and Liverpool... In November, what are you on about? Yeah, and then Liver- <laughs> now Liverpool is like mid-table club now. Like, I, it's, just, it's just very crazy season. It's a very crazy season. Hard will, to predict anything. We will look back at these this last two years in years to come and go, 
wow. Uh, the, the league has never been more topsy-turvy than that. And so many ch- teams have had a chance to, to grab it. And Man City, I think I, I added up all the ga- league games in a row that, that Aguero hasn't scored for Man City. And it was something like 48 games without, or 38 or 48 league games that Man City have played that Aguero didn't score in until his penalty last week. And and Man City fans aren't complaining. That's uh, Pep, crazy. Pep just adapts it all. I mean, a lot of it is out injured. And the rest of the time, recently, he's just been um, a substitute. Hmm. But... Um, I think and one thing we can take whoever they want, whenever they want, and get oh. multiple people in multiple positions. I think they're the only team like that who are going to sit here, probably rubbing their hands together, going, "All oh, the money these teams can't make, and we can just buy whatever the fuck we want." It's yeah. lovely. We'll win the league for the next five seasons. Whatever. Holland, we yeah, we need a striker. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Science a bit hopeful. He says we beat. We, let's smash Liverpool two 0 and lose to Sheffield United five <laughs> four. That'd be a great. The- that'd be a great game. To be fair, five four. <laughs> Okay. Oh, dear. If we if we got enough time at the end, um, um, someone I think it might have been, um, I was Divian said uh, maybe talk about FFP because there was an announcement today, and all I knew from this is listening to Tom's pod. So go and listen to um, the Guna talk. Go and find Tom's one on FFP. He covers it perfectly, and then he takes questions at the end because Tom is very very good. Um, so uh, we kind of covered that. Right, let's move on to, from happiness and and uh, delirium of me thinking we're going to win every game for the rest of the season and, and finish top four to dealing with um, Slavia Prague, the dirty shit bags. I've put, talking of Slavia, we'll start with uh, Ellis on this. Uh, should we be concerned for the safety of our players as the away leg is due to kick off at 9pm at their stadium unless it's going to be moved? So it's going to be dark. Their fans are good. Some of their fans are mental. I mean, we all saw after the... Um, it's not. Was it Glenn Kamara, the one that was playing for Rangers? Yes. Yeah, Glenn Kamara. And after the game, there was uh, pictures of all the ultras out the front, and they had a, a banner that they'd made themselves out the stadium. It's horrible. Um, and they are. You do not want to be walking around or anywhere near the stadium at night when those muppets are out. Now, I've got some friends from Eastern Europe, all lovely, lovely people. And it's not them. It's just that that tiny minority, which are the ultras. And many countries have ultras and you don't mess with the ultras because, I mean, sometime in Italy, the ultras will make the clubs do what the clubs want. I mean, one time in Italy, uh, I remember that they, they the ultras were there doing training and they made the players take off all the kits and um, give us a shirts back or or some something like that. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Um, so, Ellis, I've, the notes I've made is, should they be banned, fined or both? Should um, who should replace them if they are kicked out, or should we get a buy? Um, yeah, then doing a couple of facts like they're 16 points clear at the top of their league, they haven't lost a game all season, and much like um, a few other teams that are, that are top of their leagues, they've got nothing else to concentrate other than the Europa League. So, what should, what should happen to them? Because they can't get away with, I, I bet you, I, I've asked you the question and I'm going to talk, I bet you they'll get a fine less than Bentner got during the World Cup for showing his pants. Probably, because that is the mad world that we live in. That it's a right to do that, but it's not a right to show a betting sponsor on your knickers. Um, <laughs> for me personally, I, I, I'd like, I'd love to see them be fined and banned, both of it. Fucking throw the book at them, kick them out, like make a make a show of it and say, look, this is not acceptable. Doesn't matter where you're from, what culture you are, whether you've got hooligans that are doing it, and the rest of your fans are all lovely and fine and won't say anything like that. The fact is, unless you control the minority being arseholes, then you, you get fined and you get kicked out. Control them or fuck off. And we, we don't stand for that. But that's, that's probably not going to be the case. And if they were kicked out on the course, I'd say have a bye. 
because why the fuck we want to play on else? It'd be lovely. Just let us go straight on to the semis. Would be nice. But what but, do you yeah, think we will do? I, th- I think the a saving grace is the fact that our fans can't travel, so at least our fans won't get in their head kicked in by the ultras. Um, it's not nice for the boys in our team, and obviously we've got a lot of black players, so hopefully they're not subjected to any abuse. And I don't know, it's it's, it's just so difficult. It's not really one for me to say or talk about because it's not really my place. But you'd like to think that they'd have the strength to just walk off if people can do that. But it's, it's difficult. I don't really want to open that can of worms. It's not for me to say. It's not my place. Um, but yeah, I think they'd probably just get a little fine, and that'll be it. No in UEFA. Fergus? Um, I, I think it was disgraceful what happened up there um, in Rangers. Uh, it, it will go to the corrupt organisation that is UEFA. They will issue a small fine to Slavia Prague, probably less than Bentner's uh, fine, as you said. Personally, myself, I think uh, the player, I can't remember his name himself, um, the player should be the one who's addressed first and foremost. The, the club should also be fined for not controlling their player, but uh, the player needs to be kicked out of the game for six, nine months, Cantona-esque, um, and, and make an example of him so that other players realise that they can't do it. The problem that you've got with this particular player is he was extremely clever that nobody would be ever able to prove what he said. He covered his mouth totally from every angle, from from every camera, and straight down the guy's ear, he said what he said. And the only person who's going to know what he said is Kamara, and it's his word against the other guy. So there's no way UEFA can prove it. Um, you, should UEFA grow some balls and go, hang on a second, by the law of averages, looking at the way there was a fight in the tunnel afterwards, the way that everything went down, I don't think somebody's going to go to that because they went, you're a lovely little bunny rabbit or something in his ear hole. He, he obviously said something racist, something uh, abhorrent to the guy that he reacted like he did. Um, Stephen Gerrard, not really a great fan of an ex-Liverpool guy, but he's doing a good job there. And he's also come out and supported um, supported Kamara. Uh, act on the player first. Also then do some punitive action against the the, 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 the team themselves. Um, should they get kicked out of it? I don't think they'll get kicked out of it in reality. If they did, which I think would be almost it'd be the right thing to a certain degree but also um, probably a bit of a joke and would probably reflect on us in a strange way badly because people would go oh, you just got through on a buy um who should drop back in well rangers probably should be the one who dropped back in uh, i know there's some people talking about tottenham could drop back in because of coefficients and stuff i don't know the whole details about that but um if anybody's going to drop back in rangers and i'm a celtic man hmm <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'd like to play Rangers just so we can smash them because I hate them. John, you're um, you look you look like you've got something important to say. Yeah, I think that I mean everything that they said was was spot on. The only thing I want to add on is that as disgusting as what those fans did afterwards, they got they had an Instagram post that was disgusting. I'm not going to repeat what they put on there. It was a banner, and then they got it taken down. So their response was to say, "Hey, Instagram posted our ban, uh, took down our post. Here's a link that you could see it uncensored on our website." So they doubled down on the disgusting stuff that they posted. And I, if you've ever been on their, because I, I went on their fan website, and it's basically them wearing like boxing wraps and like having hooligan battles with other, you know, ultra thing. It's 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 just it's disgusting, you know, and it's not. Look, I'm not, you know what? No, I'm not going to be casting judgment on people because like, 
everyone has their own thing. I don't know what it's like to live where they do or or anything, but I could say that there's certain things that are, in my opinion, universally despicable. And what they put on that banner is is despicable. And that's all I have to say about it. And then to double down on it the way they did is even is a joke. Hmm. I don't think they're football yeah. fans, to be honest. I just think they use that as an excuse for what they want Fighting. to do. I just think they're a bunch of dickheads, essentially, and they just try and use the banner of that football club to allow them to be dickheads. Yeah, I, I would. You know that that would explain their actions because a lot because it doesn't have anything to do with the football. I, I I I expect they are football fans. I expect they're fanatical football fans. Um, one of the, the, the clubs I, I loosely follow is uh, Dynamo Dresden in the Bundesliga third um, because um, my daughter lives over there and her partner is a, a mad uh, 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 Dynamo fa- uh, fan. Mm. And they've got ultras and everything else. And I've been in their K block and there was nothing. Okay, they were speaking German. I don't speak German, but there was there was nothing untoward and and stuff like that. You're always going to get dickheads somewhere, and I'm not making any excuses for these uh, Slav and Prague guys. But by, by, by no means are shape and what they've done is wrong. You're always going to get dickheads someplace, and you get people who go to Arsenal who aren't football aficionados. They 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 like football. They like the atmosphere. I, me, I go for the social. I go for singing in the crowds. I I love all of that. I don't necessarily know everything about. The technicalities of football on the pitch. I, I just like the whole Arsenal family sort of thing, and I think you do get people of that, and they go to the extreme with the ultras, and they don't necessarily kick the shit out of each other in park every week uh, and that sort of stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I think Ellis is more talking about those prog players, though, because and 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 yeah, yeah, to, yeah. and on in line with that, when I did go on that website, they didn't have any pictures of them at games or like enjoying them. It was all them fighting, like literally fist fighting with other hooligan like groups. So it was almost as if it was like, yeah, they might have like some tangential relation to football, but it's clear. They even sold merchandise about like, you know, they're hooligan. It was, it was bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. And I'm, I'm kind of with Ellis on this, at least in this particular group, it, it seemed like football was secondary. It seemed like football was secondary. Yeah, sadly, it does remind me uh, that thing you were saying where they all get um, they get the, the boxing tape on, and I've seen that they do it in in the housing estates where there's massive big flats, and they all agree to meet at a certain time. If anyone's seen Green Street Hooligans and these kind of things, they are, from what I've seen, those things are, they're really bad, and there's maybe forty or fifty from each side, and they all and all tracksuited up and Deodora as far as the eye can see, and they all meet up and smash the shit out of each other. But that is such a tiny minority of of any of the the, the supporters. But it reminds me of of eighties football i mean we i've known some people in my time that are quite into the football violence in the 80s they're all grown men now none of them do it but it used to be after the game you'd, you'd meet up in a certain place only the people that wanted to get involved in the fighting would would be would go and they wouldn't involve members of the public and they'd go and do all of that sort of stuff that's partly from what people have told me and partly what i've seen in the film so 50 percent of what i've just said is right but there are there is that element to to most clubs just because it's mostly gone from the uk but there again, the way that the UK does stuff, we are we do tend to behave ourselves, and we are a little bit a little bit better behaved at grounds now because we're so notorious for being shitty. In fact, in my entire just under four hundred games going to football, I've seen violence twice. Both times it was Spurs away, and one of them ran after my dad's car because my dad was silly enough to have the scarf hanging out the back window as we beat Spurs two one, and then he um they were running after the back of the car, banging on the back of the Montego. Oh. They've been so scared because they wanted to kill us. But that was 1987. 
So I've very rarely ever seen that, it since was, then. That was an issue with, um, with Russia, wasn't it? And um, my boss was in Marseille when the Russians came in the Euros a couple of years beforehand, and they specifically targeted the English um, football fans because they, it's like a trophy if you can get the English flag or the Dutch flag because they were so renowned for uh, hooliganism. Uh, hoolig soccer violence is easier for me to say. <laughs> um uh in, in in the 80s so you know and 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 they're just stuck in miami vice time aren't they the the, the russians and some of the eastern european in in, in some of the, the way they do things so yeah let's walk away from stereotypes before i get myself into more trouble yeah i mean some of the stuff the dutch got up to is the absolute i mean they were doing that into into the the, the late 90s only going from the news reports and the old youtube videos i've seen of, of stuff like that but yeah it is um it's not something we we tend to see too much of it nowadays. Um, anyone else want to say anything else on that before I go and um, ask some of the questions that these lovely people? Oh, we're going to do a little bit on FFP. So, anyone anything else to say on that last thing? No, they're all looking silent. Yeah, today it has been announced by uh, FIFA, UEFA. They've gone, you know, the FFP that everybody ignored, and Man City threatened to take us to court and were, and were bankrupt as if we if we decided to argue with them. We're not doing FFP anymore. Not that anyone's taking any notice. Um, does anyone know any more details about it than that? Because I've forgotten what Tom said. Just what Tom said. That's all I know about it. <laughs> well, tell us what tell us what Tom said. Uh, he, he was well. He was mentioning how it could possibly benefit, like those. It's going to benefit the big teams, like because it's not. It goes from you know, sp it goes to spending. You know, without it's a little bit more broad now. What they're able to spend on before it was this kind of like beneficial towards the self-sustaining model right because you could spend what, what you bring in like that's that's what are the t defining characteristics versus now it's just kind of like spend reasonably which is kind of amorphous I, and, and he used a better word he explained it way better than i could so go obviously watch him explain it but that's what i my takeaway from it was that it it it, it, be, it broadened the what the clubs are able to spend and it benefits not teams that are looking to self-sustain but teams that are bigger and have more money to begin with. I think they are going to try and incorporate some kind of salary cap. Now, for me, that would be the first way to go. I know back in the in the days, they um, they brought in a salary cap back in the 1960s. And I think Jimmy Hill was head of the PFA and uh, they were finding other ways. Like, oh, you see, you're on £5 a week and you get a free Mark 1 Cortina. Or, or we buy that house that you, you, you've got that you live in at £700 to buy a house, you get the free house. But now we'll be seeing that people, we've seen already that allegedly how Man City managed to get all those um, massive sponsorship deals. You've got um, some Qatari kebab shop as, um, sponsoring their sleeve for £20 million a season. And then you find out that a kebab shop is owned by the cousin of a cousin of the bloke who runs the country. And, and then they, they won't do anything about it. And a salary cap, similar to the way they do it in, in MLS, well, that worked for a while, didn't it, John? And then, then they brought in the Beckham rule, and then they brought in the the the, um, the allocated designated, allocated players. designated players, where you could yep. uh, most players in MLS would be on thirty grand a year, and then you'd have a couple of designated that would be on half a million pound a week, or, or so on, something massive yeah, like that. And, and it's not just MLS; pretty much all American sports have salary caps for the for this exact reason. Baseball, basketball, hockey—all of those sports have you know a salary cap to prevent teams from just going out and you know, spending ridiculous amount of money and to keep parity amongst the team. And there's a bunch of different uh, explanations for why they do it, but it's not something new to any of the American fans out there who follow American sports. 
He's so do you think to allow Cronky to operate because he doesn't like spending money? <laughs> yeah, it's all on Cronky. I feel like all of this is just some big, big, crazy conspiracy by the Cronkies to spend less money on our squad. Yeah, I'm trying to. Someone's put a question in the um, in the chat on Facebook, but it's not showing up on my Facebook. That's very odd. Anyway, so I'll have to come back to that one. Yeah, just uh, do you think salary cap would work? Because for me, if you, as long as you you monitor it strictly and you go right at the moment, that I think the highest paid player in the world is Messi on six hundred grand a week. I think Bale's on about five hundred grand a week, and then to go for, for the whole of Europe next season, the maximum you can pay anybody is five hundred thousand. The season after four hundred thousand. Keep bringing it down to you're on about two hundred thousand. That would take a few years to get it down to that, and then you could um, build towards that. Is that realistic, or is that just me talking jibber-jabber? It's logistically extremely difficult because you already have players who are on contracts that are going to violate the terms of what you just said in the next season. So things they, they would need to take those into consideration. It would There would need to be kind of like a grandfather in where, you know, um, maybe – like if you're if you're as the implementation of this new rule and this new cap if you're at a certain amount of money that you're making up through your salary then it doesn't apply to you but going forward any new salaries that's how they would have to do it so there's going to be logistical weird contractual things that are going to happen because of that but would it be something that could be implemented across the league that would benefit smaller teams yes because there'd be more parity so i think that it's something that would benefit the league as a whole in my opinion but Actually, getting everyone to agree to do that is going to be very difficult, considering these the pull that these big teams have in these kind of football governing bodies. Whether you think that's the right way or the wrong way, they're the ones that are going to dictate a lot of this this conversation and drive the conversation on this. And you bet your ass they don't want to have a salary cap because they want to be able to outspend the people down the road and and win major European trophies. So that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what you said there, John. To be honest, like. Like you say, and Danny alluded to it with um, the way that people got around financial fair play. The rich clubs have got enough money that they'll find some way around the salary cap. But yeah, that's their general salary that they get now in lines with the rules of the new salary cap. But we'll pay them something for image rights or some other way of getting away around it, or they'll pay them some other way. And you know, it's just that'll just be the case. Or like you say, the big clubs that dictate what Europa do won't allow it, like you say, because Man City aren't going to want to do that, PSG aren't going to want to do that, Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't going to want to do that, one of the banks in Spain is going to give them a shitload of money so they can buy whatever they want again. Like It's it's a good idea, and I'd like it, and I, I I don't watch a lot of American sports, but when I have watched, I do like the sort of, the salary caps, the, 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 the fairness about how you get sort of teams, like the Super Bowl, for example, it's not always the same. If, it, if the Super Bowl was in England, You'd see Man City pretty much be there every fucking year, wouldn't they? Whereas with American sports, I think they've got a much more fair way of doing it. But I just don't think that way of running um, a franchise is going to ever come across to to Europe or, or football, personally. What can we do about it, Fergus? Because you can't have football. At the as, as most football fans go... We're never going to outspend Man City. Like I've said so many times, we offer a tenner for a player. Man, uh, Chelsea offer 20, Liverpool 30, Man United 40. Man City will offer £100 for the player. You can't have a sport where it's going to be the same teams going, we've got the most money. Like Juventus were one of the first in Italy to go, we've got our own stadium. Now we're not we're not paying the council. We've got massive amounts of money, although they just buy, get all the players on free transfers and flog them on after. You can't have a football that is going to be attracting new fans. If you see them go, unless you support Man City, you're really not going to ever have any glory in this country. Because they're, they're on the verge of doing another quadruple. 
but wasn't that the case in the eighties with Liverpool? The the nine uh, and the early nineties. Then you had the nineties and the noughties with Arsenal and Man United dominating everything. Man United spent and spent and overspent against us. Um, yeah. You've had Chelsea then come into into the, the frame. Now Man City come into the frame. Um, but then you got somebody like Leicester go and win the league, you know. So it, it, that's the, the unique thing about the Premier League, and which the American uh, football leagues don't have because they don't have the the relegation and and um, promotion side of things. Is you're in the uh, you're in the um, in the league, and then there's the draft where everyone gets an even that the lowest team gets to pay, pick the best player. I think, uh, and, and and simplistically that. Um, the only thing I would say. Um, Yes, I I agree that it's probably unlikely that a salary cap would work. But now is the time, if you're ever going to think about introducing it, to introduce it. You mentioned Barcelona and Real Madrid, that the banks are going to chuck loads of money at them. I don't think so. The banks are actually shitting themselves and thinking these two clubs, they're probably too big to fail, but Bearings Bank wasn't too big to fail. So, you know, they they they, 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 they are in serious financial trouble. So there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of financial institutions that would like to probably rein back in some of some of um uh, the the premier league teams and the european big big powers so with pandemic and lack of funds available maybe the clubs will be a little bit more open to considering it i don't know i don't see it happening yeah, you are. You do make a good point there. Man United and Arsenal dominate, and then Chelsea dominate. Even then, Abramovich was told, "No, you're not spending all your money on your club anymore. You're going to help us pay for stadiums, or we'll take all your companies off you, like they usually do." And then Man City, but Man City's dominance. There's never been a dominant. They did the quadruple a few years ago, a couple of years ago. They're almost definitely going to do the quadruple now because no one in the FA Cup is going to yeah, stop. Never them. done. Didn't do the quadruple. They haven't won the Champions League yet, have they? No, I mean the 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 Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup. And the Chariot Shield, the, the domestic quadruple. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, we won the Chariot Shield this year, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. So maybe they are one about. Um, yeah, the first no, they're not going to do the quadruple. I don't think anybody's ever done the quadruple. We've quadruple stopped them. The <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah they, I always refer to it as a domestic because I don't really care about the, the winning European trophies. I'd rather win the Premier League first. Um, yeah, so the domestic quadruple isn't really a quadruple, is it? It's a triple. That's Arsenal so nowadays, isn't it? Let's not worry about Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what are we going to win? Is it the Intertoto Cup we're going to be in next season? God, dear, that's a podcast all on its own. Oh, just call it the Cup Winners' Cup and be done with it. Um, right, an update here from Jonas, who put this in about 15 minutes ago. Update on Erdegaard from Twitter, Twitter doctor, and he says, Odegaard ankle injury, right ankle rolled inwards, and he, as he was cutting in from the left on the ball, looks to be relatively mild. And someone else, I think it was Avon, has put further down. Um, oh, dear, I've gone and lost it now. <laughs> Avon, where are you? Avon, wave. Oh, here we go. Uh, Avon per Norway's manager confirms Martin Erdegaard hasn't suffered a serious injury and he expects him to be available for Norway's next game. <sighs> I hate internationals. I absolutely hate internationals. Oh, I couldn't give a Especially shit. Especially when they're pointless friendlies most of the time. Oh, Sophie's there. Hello, Sophie. Don't know why I said that in a northern accent because she's not northern. Um, oh, here we go. We've got Jarbar saying something in. Russian? 
it says are you next to it hopefully that's that's hello gentlemen are you having a good day <laughs> not something horrible <laughs> but how are we supposed to know because uh you, you could be arranging a fight up in a, a fight in a forest somewhere or something like that you know. <laughs> yeah i've missed some of your questions because i had to go all the way back up to get jonas's message before it disappeared because trying to find things uh, oh here we go sophie said hello mike feinberg secret lover <laughs> uh there we go right we're going to move on to some some uh so just do that in stavros's accent it's 2021 so if i would i'd be put in internet jail if i did that in the the matey peeps want some salad for that boss accent (laughs) right questions ellis do you want to do some questions yeah, go for it. I'll fire some questions at the guys. If I highlight the one that's on Facebook that I can't go and cut and paste from Facebook yet, um, talk about yourselves because there's a lot of people. You're all, you're all being lovely, of course, putting stuff in here. There's one. Um, I've got to look for a Facebook. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, it's on the screen now, um, Ellis. So do that one first, then go and do the other ones that you've cut and pasted into the chat. Cool. I'll go because Fergus is top right. I'll start with Fergus. Um, David Lieberman on facebook says what is your estimated percentage chance we can sign odegaard permanently given the latest real madrid statements and any other factors i'm imagining that's what that says after the dot 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 um i didn't hear or see the real madrid statements have you yeah there's something about uh, real madrid have said that um they're going to make him a key part of the setup for next year Personally, okay. I think it's probably part part of the dance that is they want to maximise what they can get for him. We're going to play it down and say, yeah, all right, whatever, and we'll try and see what we can get him for. What's the chance? Uh, David, I'd say it's it's got to be a f- probably 40% in favour, 60% against. What, would I like him to sign? Yes, I would like him to sign, uh, and I think we should pull out the stops. But it's all in Real Madrid's hands and Stan Kroenke's hands if uh, see how deep his pockets are. Would you take him if Real Madrid also made us take Sabayas as well? Yeah, because then you could just sell Sabayas on the following window, even if you just give him away. Just give him away for free, can't you? Now yeah. you've yeah. done your job. Sabayas, <laughs> yeah. I've never rated. He's had one, two games that was good. The Burnley game, the second or third game for us, uh, and I, I know people were delighted when he signed uh, an extra year-long loan. I was nonplussed over it, and I'm being proven right in that because he's he's just not he's not he's not cutting the mustard for us. He's he's as bang average as Arsenal are right now. I I think it was sensible to extend, given that we didn't really have much money. But yeah, he's definitely not warranted a permanent signing or another loan extension from his performances. Right, moving on, John. I've got one here from Avon Ted. He says, "What areas do we feel most need upgrading in the summer?" Uh, definitely the midfield. Um, you know, I think Jaka has been doing excellent this, especially in the second part of the season. Um, but when you look at what the alternatives are to Jaka, we don't really have any that are going, especially if we're trying to push for a top four. And there's, it's arguable whether Jaka is a player that can get us into the top four. I personally think he is, but I think that there's a good argument that we're going to need an upgrade there. So that's probably one of the first places I'm going to look. And then, uh, you know, I want to look up, I want, I think unless Arteta's figured out something, we're going to need something at right back. I don't think Bellerin is the future of the right back position here. I think that, uh, nor do I think Cedric or Chambers necessarily, although Chambers did have a good game. So I think that, 
if, if we're going to start at looking at what we need, it's going to be that midfield position and right back position. Nice. Um, Danny, do you want to answer any questions or shall I just move If you really want me to, I'm busy pressing buttons. Well, you put the, the, the Twitter question up on the, on the little window there and then took it away. So I'll let you answer that one. Um, I know you can read, but for everyone listening at home, from uh, the, the, the Twitch, uh, A. Claudius says, is Hector finished at Arsenal and will we miss him as a player? I think the fact that he has been dropped by Arteta and we've had two other players come in and both of them be, do everything that Arteta doesn't do. Someone put in the chat that Chambers was at fault for um, what the first... Uh, his defending for the first West Ham goal was terrible because he was getting so far forward. But the, I think the players are coming in that are, are doing much better for me. Bellerin, for me, was broken as soon as the one thing... The one special thing that he could do was run at the speed of light. And once that was taken away from him, he, his ability to track back when he was going forward has gone because he used to be able to beat you going forward with the ball. And beat, and if you fucked up, he'd beat you running back to get to the ball. He can't do that anymore. He's broken. He needs to go and play in a farmer's league. Luckily, he's still quite young. Um, was it 26, 27, something like that? And he's, he's a solid defender. He could go and play in La Liga for Barcelona. They'll get him for, what, 10, 15 million and save us a fortune on the wage bill. And he's been a fantastic servant to us, but yet another player who was broken and his rehabilitation went wrong. And I asked why he runs with a stiff back. Someone said because of his injuries, he has to, he had to learn to rerun in a different way so he doesn't keep injuring himself. And I think he was another one of those players that, um, Oh, pardon me. That their part of their problem was, apart from being having the shit kicked out of them every day. I know Theo and Iwobi, and uh, and they were so quick that when they come down to the end of the pitch, they were slowing down too quickly and putting too much pressure on on their their tendons, Achilles, and all those other things. I don't know what they do. And yeah, so we broke him, and now we need to get rid of him because I would he wouldn't even be he'd be third choice. And that's only because I don't know who third choice in the reserves could be. I know we've got Lopez who plays left back, but yeah, get rid of him. Get some decent money for him. Um, he's been a great servant to the club and I'd be sad to see another player of what could have been. But if you look at it, if he was that good, why hasn't he played for Spain more? I think he's got four or five caps whilst playing for one of the best teams in 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 England and at times one of the top teams in Europe back in the glory days when we, you know, when we used to win games in Europe in the big league. Oh, it's a shame. A yes, he's gone. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. It's a Ooh. shame because I, I, I do like Bellerin. I'm a big advocate of him, but I think I can't. What do you like about disagree. him, though? What is it that you like? Is it his football ability, his defending ability, or his snazzy, yeah. his snazzy dressing and great haircuts? Um, yes. I think from, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think from a, a purely footballing point of view, I, I agree with you, Danny. He, he probably needs to go. I don't think he fits in with what Arteta wants. Um, and I also think he probably has lost a little bit of something like the speed and a, a bit more than just his speed. He's lost a bit since the injuries that he's had. Um, it's a shame. But as a person, as like a character, I think he's a great character. I think he is someone who's probably good around the dressing room. Um, he's for me and again this is just a purely opinion thing and a lot of people probably disagree I think as a person he's a bit more interesting than your average football player or young football player so for me that's just something I like about him but it has no bearing on whether he's good for Arsenal at all so realistically from that point of view yeah you're probably right Danny we should be looking to move him on if he if he doesn't fit um, but anyway less of that 
Next question, I'll go with, where is it, from Matt Roberts, coming to you, Fergus. Actually, I think I'll ask all three of you this, but I'll start with uh, Fergus. Who has been the worst player so far and the most improved? Uh, most improved is probably easy. Bakayo um, Saka um, is probably the most improved. Well, he was he was already very good, I suppose. So if you... Uh, you, you could put uh, you could put Pepe and 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 uh, Willian into there of recent form, um, but you know I'd I'd I'd, I'd stick with with Saka although he he came from a, a a high a high start because he finished the season quite high last season and but he's continued to do that considering the amount he's getting played and how knackered he looks sometimes he still turns up he still runs he still goes there's there's, there's plenty of players. You could also mention in, in in dispatches as well. Smith Rowe has come from nowhere, um, uh, and and made a, a, a firm place in 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 the starting eleven. Um, uh, least improved or worst player? It's got to be you know you chuck your armband on the ground. It's always going to it's always going to be there. Shaq is always going to be in there for me. But taking that aside, um, probably. Bellerin's got to be in with a shout on it just because of how, how he's gone down, downhill. I think it's harsh on him because I like the guy and what you said about uh, him being interesting. And I watched his documentary and I found it really, really good. Um, probably only because the way he's, he seems his, his fitness and his career is tailing off. But you could put, um, you could put Sabias in there uh, as well. Um, it's difficult because we're, we've got... We haven't got loads of fantastic players, and we haven't got loads of really, really crap players. We've got a lot of really average players. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Um, I hate the the worst player question. I, I don't like answering yeah. that. But well done on giving it a go. Um, John, your uh, most improved player and your worst player, if you want to answer that one. Yeah, so, I mean, throwing the armband aside, I think, Shaq has actually been our most consistent and one of the best players this season. But uh, I just turned it in. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you. Uh, in order, in terms of what's going on over here? Oh, twisting his ankle. Okay. Uh, in terms of best, most improved, um, I would have to say Willian. And the reason I say Willian is because this is, I mean, this is a guy that went from absolute, like, why is he even on the team sheet? Why is he even here anymore? To, okay, you know, he's actually making a contribution when he comes on here. And it's only been a small amount of time. So I don't want to say most improved overall. I would go with someone like Smith Rowe. But I feel like uh, in terms of where he was recently to where he is now, which is, a decent squad player, it seems like He's, that that would be most improved. Worst player for me has been Ceballos, and not only has he been the worst player for me this season, but he's also declined in his performances. He was actually fairly, fairly good last season. We were really excited when he signed again for us, and I don't know what's going on. Maybe because he, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Maybe it's he's not getting enough game time or whatever. Whatever's going on with him right now, he's absolutely been very, very poor for us. And has not just poor, but decisions he's made have directly led to more goals than I think anyone on our side this season, just from his mistakes. So I I think that he's there's a better player there than what we're seeing from him. 
But when we're saying someone that's that's gotten worse or is just not playing well, for me, it's Ceballos. And I don't like those either, by the way. I like to, <laughs> I like to be positive when I can because Ceballos isn't a bad player, and he's better than he, he has been playing. But, I mean, whenever you're seeing him on the pitch, it's just like he's either not contributing or he's making mistakes. Good save. Danny, your most improved and your worst player, if you'd be so kind. Most improved is going to be um, so it's probably ESR, like like a lot of people have said in the chat. But it's hard for Saka to improve, although he has because he's such a magnificent player. Um, I think Saka, the one thing that Saka has improved most, which he needed to, was his goals and his assists. That's the one thing we were saying last season. He had he had all the tricks and the skills and the pace and the vision and the ability. We just needed to build on that, and he has built on that. Whereas um, Smith Rowe has come through, and that's another part of his game that he will, will be wanting from him next season. And the worst player? Oh, I'm going to have to agree with John and say Ceballos, because I think Ceballos' problem is, is he the water carrier? Is he the ten? Is he the, the 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 go and break up play? He does all of those jobs, and I think if you ask a player to do all three of those jobs, then you, a master of uh, what's it? Uh, oh, someone I'd say jack of all trades, a master of none. There you go. That should be. That. He should have a t-shirt with that on it. It's his it's his own fault for being a half decent player that Arteta has got him to do all those different jobs. Whereas you wouldn't ask Smith Rowe to go and do all of those lot. You wouldn't ask Odegaard to do them. You wouldn't let Xhaka do them. And Party probably could do them, but you're not going to get Party to do them. He's just I mean even El Nini only does one possibly two jobs, and and Sabios does them all. So I'm going to say Sabios, but I feel bad about that because he is a. He's just doing what he's been asked to do, and he's just been unlucky. And when you, like Fergus was saying earlier, he's, he's been partly at fault for three goals recently. That's got a way in on it as well. And the uncertainty about your future, because he's been living in London for two years, and Real Madrid are a billion in debt. And is he coming in? Is he going? You've seen your mate from Real Madrid come in, and suddenly he's, he's the Arsenal darling. And meanwhile, he's not even he's a sub player. Yeah, I feel sorry for him. But it's going to have to be him because towards the end of last season, he was brilliant. And the beginning of the season against Newcastle, it was brilliant. Have you got one, Ellis? Well, Sabias didn't feel much love, is he, tonight? Um, I, I think like you him. all make very good arguments. Um, <laughs> it's difficult. I, I sort of agree with what Fergus said, really. Like, there's a lot of average to below average players this season. So it, it, it's hard to decipher. Like, John said that Williams improved a lot, but until recent months, William has to be up there as probably the worst player of the season. Um, Pepe's gone through patches. Bamiyang's gone through patches. Jack has made mistakes. Louise has made mistakes. Sabios has made mistakes. Leno has made mistakes. There's, 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 a, there's a good handful of players there that are all vying for it. Again, I don't really like those questions. I don't really like to single out anyone in particular, but just really all your arguments have probably convinced me that, yeah, Sabios, but if I can <laughs> defend the poor guy, you're, you're probably right, Danny. His, his head's probably not there at the minute he's, he, he's got to be thinking about well this isn't my club I'm done here now and not only that the club that have loaned me here have also learned, loaned another player so it's essentially like Arsenal going mm, yeah we've got Sabas, but actually Real Madrid have got a better player that we can use so that I think that probably plays into it a bit but yeah I, I probably agree with all you guys I think Sabas is probably as it stands at the moment is probably our worst player How about a special mention for Aubameyang? <laughs> I mean, like I mean, we're he's talking still about a top goal scorer. <laughs> we still a top goal scorer, but I mean, and and if you look at the difference between last season and this season, it's night and day. 
And, you know, it's, it seems, it seems like it started getting a little bit better, but then it just, again, it, you know, I don't know what's going on with him, what's going through his head. We're here, but you know, we're talking about even off the field, there's stuff going on with him. So uh, while I do think it's bios from a purely, like, I think he's kind of done here. Like you said, perspective, I think Obama gets a, an honorable mention here. I don't like these kind of questions. No, and you'll always, there'll be, there'll be people. I'm not looking at chat box right now. I'm looking at our uh, private chat with the questions in, but I'm sure there'll be people in the chat box that will be pissed off but, or people who will be listening right, going, John. what are you talking about? <laughs> You're right, John. Aubameyang um, is seriously up there as the, probably the, the, the worst performing player for us at this moment in time, but none, none of us are going to name him, are we? It's, it's a shit question. Let's move on. That's <laughs> why I, I, I gave him an honourable mention because it's hard to say that like you're, the, you're captain and an argue, this, this new legend at the club is doing that poorly, but yeah, let's move on. I agree. <laughs> Moving swiftly on from that shit question that's probably pissed off a lot of listeners. Um, what's my, I'll go to you, Fergus, I think with this question here from Phil Macker. He says, as we are playing without fans, why don't we play a couple of games at Highbury? <laughs> uh, Phil, I don't know if you've been uh, to North London recently, um, but Highbury uh, does have some greenery on the pitch uh, at the moment. It's also got some lovely glass sculptures. It's got an underground car park and it's got uh, the residents that can sit there and have a coffee and have some outdoor space um and some benches and stuff like that it's it's a it's a gardens for the flats that are high at highbury so unfortunately uh, we can't do that well done on answering that question that's one of those questions that you read and you think oh this person's gonna say something really serious and then you get to the second part of the question and you go oh shit (laughs) Uh, john i've got a question here from craig um he's put who would you sell this summer who would I sell this summer? Ike. All right. Well, I think I we could sell Aubameyang. I think uh, we can yeah. sell we could sell Bellerin. Um, I think we could sell. Uh, I, I would. I I think that's pretty much the what I'm will willing to do. I mean, we could sell a Pepe, yeah. but but I feel like I feel like he's in he's in the uh, Arteta's plans. Pepe. Um, you know, obviously, Louis could theoretically go, um, but if I was looking at where can we start selling, I would look at Bellerin and Aubameyang. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with Bellerin and Aubameyang. Well, Willian, I mean, yeah, if we could sell Willian, I would sell Willian because, but like, he just signed a new contract. You know, no one else wanted to take a three-year deal with him. Uh, he wanted to stay in London, so I don't think he's going to be going anywhere unless he's going back to Chelsea, which I'd be okay with, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking at players that we can realistically see leaving in the summer. I think Aubameyang is one that would surprise people to leave, but I could see it happening. And Bellerin, I think, is another one that would I, I think we could see go. John, Aubameyang or Lacazette? Lacazette's got one year left on his contract. He's 30 years of age. We'd probably realize more money for Aubameyang than right. we would for Lacazette. But I think that both of them are up there in terms of the age, the age factor. So I don't know if there's much of a distinction between that in, in relation to whether age is a factor. But I think Lacazette is another one that could potentially go. I think as far as form goes and usefulness to the team right now, right now Lacazette's been doing it a lot better than Aubameyang has. So, um, you know, when you when you factor in not only the, the, the performances on the pitch this season, but kind of what we're hearing about what's going on off the field, 
it wouldn't surprise me to see someone like Obama and go, and it's someone that we can get money for. And it's a position that I think that we can kind of improve in the sense that if that's not the way, if he's not playing the way that Arteta is going to want to play, or we, he doesn't even know if he wants to be centrally or on the left or even on the right now, apparently it's just one that I can see happening. I don't know right now off the top of my head, maybe who would bring in someone like an Edward from, you know, from Scotland. I, I- I understand that we've got a clause in his contract. If at the end of next season we haven't got Champions League football, he can go and he doesn't get that third-year extension. He can just walk. So if, yeah. that, if that is true, then it makes it even more an option if he's not on form to, to consider getting rid of him this summer. Yeah, right. And in, in, in order... in. In addition to maximizing contracts, you just have to look at what players can you actually get a value from that you can reinvest in areas that need it. Right off the bat, we're gonna—I think—we need a, a, an upgrade in the right back position. So selling Bellerin to get another player that's going to fit Arteta's system a little bit better is absolutely makes sense in my opinion. So, and and if you got rid of Mart, um, Lacazette or Abamyang, it might give an opportunity for Martinelli to come into the squad. That is well correct. Or Balogun, another player that people have been clamouring to, to to get a start or get some minutes that might offer him a way into the into the first team. Um, oh, so, we'll someone do, mentioned Gwen, someone mentioned Gwendouzi. That's you know that's another one that I forgot. I even not even thinking about that, but that's another player that you know if Arteta doesn't see him in the system, it, it is definitely a player who's talented by all accounts, well by m- many accounts. That it definitely doesn't seem to be fitting in here very well. Yeah. So we've been going an hour and 45, bloody hell. Uh, there's two more questions. I'll go Danny, then I'll finish with Fergus. Danny, moving on a bit, it sort of segues from what from what John said by selling uh, Bellerin and Aubameyang. Uh, a, or A-Y, however you say his name, has put, if you can buy any right back, who would you get? Oh, simple answer, the bloke at Norwich. Yes, um, good answer. I- only, uh, but there again, I don't want Norwich to go back down again. Norwich is one of those perennial up and down teams that I want to see stay in because they're quite local to me and they're very local to to Ellis. Um, what's his name though? So Max Aaron. There you go. I don't think we need one. I think with Chambers and Cedric there, we, uh, that is a position we don't need to do. We need to put all of our money into getting a striker. Someone who is going to be, I mean, like you were saying, John, with um, with Alba for what least improved or let the worst player of the season. Arteta as a manager is probably looking at that and going, last season you scored a, a goal every other game. This season you're scoring a goal every three or four games. Now, just think where we'd be if he could have had, um, spread those nine goals that he shot over the space. And last season we were rubbish. And if he could sprinkle those goals from Aubameyang throughout any of these games, how many more points have we had this season? And you've got and you've got to look at that and go, Aubameyang, really, you've let the manager down, which is why I think there's a little bit of WWF-style heat for those two now. And we're scoring goals now because we're having midfield involved. midfield. Odegaard yeah. and Emil Smith-Rowe transform that. But in the beginning of the season, remember we said we need to start off strong? Aubameyang was, absolute, was absolutely missing, and we weren't getting goals from anywhere else. And anyway... <laughs> It's killing me to stop there. <laughs> I don't know if it was you, John, that made this earlier, but I can remember last season when Aubameyang was scoring loads of goals, but we weren't really creating chances, but he was sort of getting... like I'm not really good with my stats, but I imagine his expected goals were probably quite a lot lower last season compared to what the, the amount of goals he actually got. Especially whereas you've been flipped on its head. 
But everything for last season was everyone putting in crosses for Giroud still, even though he wasn't there. And Saka's going, <laughs> the ball's out there. I can't get to it. Well, what are you doing? No. Now, <laughs> Why are we crossing to a five foot four Frenchman? What are we doing? Yeah. And, and now you've got all these wonderful playmakers around him. How many seasons have we gone with midfielders going, our entire midfielder scored four goals between them? With Saka, I'm not going to list them. Everybody knows them. Now we're full of goals, full of assists. And a bum young should be going, nom, 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 nom. I'm 30 goals this season. And he's not. He's sat on the bench sulking counting his but money that West Ham game I, I I watched a bit of it like the highlights just before we came on the podcast just sort of refresh my memory um, and even in the highlights I, I can't even remember him having a shot I think one hit him in the shoulder maybe he did have a shot I completely blanked it but he's he was anonymous in the West Ham game and that's not something I've ever really seen from a Bamiyang before in an Arsenal shirt yes he'd have quiet games and he'd pop up with a goal but never like completely anonymous and then just mm-hmm. being Hoiked off. Did you hear the Tuesday Club? Alan Davies was saying he touched the. He made three runs in the first half. That means he did nothing for, for forty-five minutes other than three quick runs, which means he stood still <laughs> or something along those lines. <laughs> ah, right. Last question, guarantee, Fergus. It is again. John alluded to this when he was answering the uh, the question from um, Craig on who we should sell. Uh, formerly Nozza has put. Glenn Doozy back next season or sold what's your thoughts on that Glenn Doozy is a lovely malt whiskey from um the lowlands of um of Scotland uh, but Gwen Dozy um uh he uh, for me I've never been a huge fan yes he is a very talented player yes he's a very passionate player um I love when after the North London derby and hanging out at the Mercedes and, and and all that sort of stuff, I thought was it was absolutely fantastic. But I couldn't get on with him going to ground so easy, running after the referee, complaining, waving his arms around. Um, and okay, for Arteta, the final straw was him putting his hand to the throat at uh, Mope at Brighton. Uh, I've seen worse things happen, and uh, you know less action has been taken. Um, he's having problems over in Germany, I believe, as well with his attitude. Um, a shame, really, but I would sell him. Uh, it will probably come back to bite us in a few years' time, but personally, I'd sell him. Lovely. And John, seeing as the last question, would you like to add your your thoughts to that as well? Sure. Um, I agree. I, I would sell him too. And, and really, if we're, if the key, the cornerstone have been these non-negotiables for Arteta, these, the mentality of the team, the kind of maturity of the team, uh, the togetherness of the team, having a personality like that just wouldn't suit us. I don't care how talented the player is. Um, you know, he's not so talented that he, that his kind of antics would outweigh, uh, would outweigh themselves to the point where it would be worth it. So, I think right now he's a young player who's been getting a lot of press. He's been doing well by many accounts. I haven't obviously been watching him, but I've been, you know, tangentially paying attention. Um, if we can get a return on him, I think that we can make a an upgrade in that position, which is an area of the pitch that we're going to need to upgrade uh, with a player that fits Arteta's system and his mentality of what he wants from a, from a mature side that's going to actually challenge for trophies and challenge for top four. Nice. Well, that's the end of the questions, Danny. Back to you. Just been having a look at the international results. See, Dudan Dusan Tadic has yet again been magnificent. A hat trick of assists. And uh, what else are I looking at? Belgium. Oh, 
They look good. I, I knew it's very rarely I can look at an international team and recognise all eleven players unless they're England and Belgium. I do. But we're not. This isn't a Belgian podcast, is it, Ellis? It's not. We need to move it's on. No with way, it, Yes, it's an Abu Wonderland. Right, I think that's everything we've got done there. Um, right, the final thing to do before we uh, before you um, give a little nod to where you do other stuff. Um, gentlemen's nods. Does anybody have someone they want to give a little wave to and a nod and uh, have a good day to? Yes, please. Go on, then. Well, you all know him. It's Stefan Selby. I missed his question. No. Stefan, I'm, I'm really sorry that I didn't ask your question. That's awful. <laughs> uh, we've, we've got a celebration coming up Ellis this is the fifth time this year we're about to hit 7,000 subscribers on YouTube because every time we hit it 10 fuckers unsubscribe and then we're back down to under so at one point we were at 7.01 then 7 then 6.9 7 6.9 7 and we're back down to 6.9 oh but all that I don't know Ellis is that we all get together and we all party every time we hit 7,000 so every time they get there and then they un get there Unget there isn't even a word. That's how much fun we have. So carry on doing that, you freeloading scumbags. Um, right, there's nobody wants nobody wants to say hello to anybody. Ooh, fair enough. I want to okay. I want to give a shout out to that. What, was it Stokes? Who, who, who was that? Whoever James was Tom Stokes. Stokes. I'm gonna give a shout out to him because that comment he made about the scissors like literally made me like crack my ass up. That was he, hilarious. He on the legendary Goonosphere podcast. It was uh, him and Daniel and Jock and Simi Javel and Green Banton and oh Funky Devin. Funky well, shout, shout out, shout out to you, man. That was some funny stuff today. Was... They are, they are hilarious. Right. Um, so we'll start with um, you, Fergus. Do you want to tell people? Actually, yeah, tell people where they can come and find you. I have got this all ready to go and put in our chat. Bing bong, there you go. That is Fergus's podcast. It's in the chat. Everybody go and click on it. They have got 444. I like that. That's a nice set of same numbers. If you can just go and click on that and go and subscribe because you'll be entertained. The last podcast I saw, you had Dan and Amanda on. Yes. I, you managed to get a word in between Amanda talking for constant, constantly for three hours. <laughs> yeah, you and, you and Trevor on every show. And then uh, you had Mike on two or three shows ago that I saw. Yes. Another one trying to get a word in with. You need a medal for trying to do that a lot. So tell people about your podcast that you and Trev do and uh, some guests that you've had on recently and who you hope to get on in the future. Well, we, we, we generally just have, have fellow Gooners. Um, Mike uh, uh, has been on. Amanda from Highbury Squad has been on. Um, we've had Kevin Campbell, Lee Judges. Uh, we've even had uh, Miami Gooner uh, join us on, on the podcast. Uh, we're hoping to have yourself on soon, Dan. And Ellis, you're welcome to come at any, at any point as well, if you like. Um, alcohol is generally required. Uh, so we normally have a beer um, and we just chat football. It's Guns and Yellow Ribbons on YouTube. It's Guns and Yellow Ribbons on on Facebook and Guns and Ribbons on Twitter. We do a little bit of Instagram, but I'm really shit at it, really. So, but yeah, we'd love some subscribers. Uh, we're not in it for the money; we're just in it for a hobby. Uh, and that, that is the truth. Our strapline is by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans, and that really is what it is. Uh, thank you for taking having me on here and giving me the opportunity just to have a couple of minutes saying about it. That's good. It's uh, for people who haven't listened. It's very much like like ABW, like the Gooners Pod, and 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 a few of the others out there. Where it's just easy, just just friends having a chat, having a bit of a giggle. They have lots of people on. Um, just to go. Long. Uh, how long? An hour. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we, enough, we said. Hilarious <laughs> started to go foot bloody, ask a thousand questions. Scumbag. You asked, you asked if I want to give a shout out to anybody, and it's with Ellis in the, in, in, in the chat as well. Um, uh, I've had quite a, a lot to do with the NHS um, over the last uh, few months because my wife having COVID and been in hospital, and I was in hospital with something. So, everybody who does uh, all uh, what they do for us people in the NHS. Um, thank you very, very much. You are absolute heroes and every all the key workers from bin men to shopkeepers. But the NHS in particular, Jesus, it's a tough job. And I take my hat off to you. My wife works in primary care, but like the people who work in secondary care in the hospitals, that's tough. And it's flipping hot in there. And that's not Ellis with all of his tattoos and his muscles making the place hot. Ah, Jashar <laughs> has, has um, subscribed to your channel, Fergus. Thank you. Thank if everybody you. can go and do it, I mean, there's 57, oh, geez, there was 70 a minute ago, you freeloading scumbags. Just go there and click on it and listen to a few shows. If you don't like it, do what you do with us and just unsubscribe and let us down. Because <laughs> you were, uh, oh, NN Guna has put Devin. It's not, it's Devin. And yeah, uh, I know it's Devin. Devin's uh, been on here quite a few times in uh, sunny Atlanta. That used to be a decent MLS team. They're not anymore. They're scumbags. I lived, in Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta for three years, actually. Is it better than Miami? Oh, uh, it's different than Miami. <laughs> different. <laughs> They're qualitatively different. It's impossible to compare the two. Miami, I, there's I, nothing like Miami. Miami is a, another planet. I've seen Dexter. I know all about Miami. You <laughs> lot of freaks. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you? Because uh, you are you are one of somebody who comes on regularly as a guest, and I see you on a lot of pods. You talk a lot of sense, and you're a very good talker. And I, I do enjoy uh, having a, a fellow a bearded man on. But now there's four of us. Yeah, we have, we have some nice day. beards on this podcast today. I was still thinking the other day, when did I start growing a beard? I've had facial hair as long as I can remember, but I had a goatee until about 15 years ago, and then I mm. just went, fuck it. And then five years after that, I become trendle. Trend it. Trendle? Become trendle. trendy. So now my laziness has paid off. So yeah, where, where can people find you? You can find me at 305cast, and I hop around different people's podcasts. I used to have mine, but it, it's not been a thing. I just like to go and talk Arsenal with friends. So it's, it, you know, everything is just so busy nowadays. And you would think it's, you know, and you should be happy about that if anyone is out there who's who's not, doesn't have that, that luxury. But, um, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is I don't get to do my my podcast as much the good thing is that i still have at least enough time to go talk with great people like you and with this chat that's been hilarious today i've been cracking up reading some of the stuff they've been saying so thanks for having me on again i like being on here oh thank you very much for, for coming on regularly so um, we were talking earlier about ffp i've put in the chat a link to tom's latest podcast where he's talking about ffp <clears throat> i should have taken more notice when i was trying to steal tom's ideas but then my brain decided not to let me so, yeah, go and, and go and listen to Tom's one. It's only 20-odd minutes, and he explains it perfectly. And he also has uh, a little cry about his love child who hasn't played since signed for Red Bull um, Leipzig. Yep. Yeah, it's made, it makes Tom sad when you talk about that. Um, Ellis, you, you're freeloading, pot-bashing scumbag. Where can people find you, apart from around the back of the bins at Tesco's? They can find me on Twitter, and it's my name and my surname. I don't oh. do any other podcasts. You only let me on here. <laughs> you barely come on here, you scumbag. I fucking work a lot. Leave me alone. I work, smoke. You don't do anything. Be nice, like Fergus. 
No, I ain't going to do that. That's too nice. Look, we're just about to hit the two hours. So I think it's time that we went. Um, thank you very much to everybody who watched uh, tonight. There's at one point there was 70 of you in for a podcast. That's pretty good because normally we get maybe 150 of you watching when we lose to a, to a team from Birmingham. So for that many to turn up for a podcast, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much to all of my wonderful guests and Ellis. Cheers, Fergus. Cheers, John. Thank Thanks. you. Uh, and uh, that's it we god knows when we're gonna be back we might do a gaming podcast because we all love gaming and i'm back on i'm knee deep in valheim at the moment and other than that we have got nothing coming up for you anytime soon so there's only one way to end this podcast isn't there ellis so i'll leave the, the final words of this magnificent podcast over to ellis with those with his, his favorite phrase piss off carl as soon as i scored that goal i was fucking livid splendid business Get down, dog.